right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of Barstool Backstage. Big interview today. We have the Danny Brown interview. Johnny, me, Kenny got that done. Uh, Danny Brown showed up. His dog showed up. It was a great conversation. I kind of fumbled the bag off the jump. Johnny, do you remember the first thing I asked him? You went straight into the uh, rehab stuff. I literally was like, so Danny, how's rehab going? <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you were safe because I've seen enough clips of him. Like He's obviously super public about it and open about it. In fact, it led into a good conversation about the fact that he's finding it to be helpful to be talking about it publicly, you know, like to be yeah, it probably wasn't people. the best way to jump into a conversation. You don't know the person, but it went really well. And he's a great fucking dude. It's a great interview. That'll be coming up later. Uh, we have Robbie Fox on the podcast today. Welcome back, Robbie. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Uh, I, I feel a little bit weird about this appearance because I think we're going to talk about something that makes me out to be a stalker, which none yeah. of the uh, <laughs> listeners would ever expect from me. But, you know, we'll get into it. Listen to me. That is not the thing that they're going to be most shocked about is the conversation we're going to be having shortly. And uh, we have somebody here for a specific reason. We have intern Cole. Intern Cole is one of the members of our team. He's an absolute monster who had an incredibly bad take today in our group chat. Cole, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great. A little nervous for what's about to happen to me. And then and <laughs> when the clips come out, what's going to happen to me in the comment sections. But yep, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, we'll get right into that because there is a lot to talk about in the music industry. And Robbie's got a great story he's going to tell today. Uh, we have to talk about people getting pelted with shit on stage. And I'm really passionate about this. And I'm pretty fucking angry. But I want to start with this. Cole, do you want to preface the argument that you and intern Caleb brought up on the podcast today? Uh, this podcast I've, I've, has two interns. Yeah, I mean, do we have a fucking squad? We have a Unreal. bunch of people. <laughs> um, uh, we have a bunch of people. <laughs> this is all Dante's doing, by the way. I don't know how Dante makes this happen. Uh, Cole, I actually have sense. no idea. Cole, actually, I have no idea when when backstage merged with on the guest list. You were just there. I don't even know how this happened. Uh, it was it was I was so I was an intern at HQ last year. I was a KFC radio yeah. intern. Um, and then I just sort of like hopped on because i knew caleb and he was like yo yeah. you like music you make music you dj you want to hop in you're good at social media so i was just like yeah sure and i just sort of kind of freeloaded my way in here and sick well let's yeah. see whether or not you're still involved after this please <laughs> bring up the conversation um all right so it started out with uh someone posted a graphic of like chat gpt's top 10 albums of, of all time and number one was sergeant pepper's and I was like, that's a really cool graphic. Why the fuck is Sgt. Pepper number one? And then I'm looking at it now. This was 10.30 a.m. I'll read it for you if you want me to. I'm, I'm, I got it right here. I, this was two hours of sleep. I didn't sleep at all. Uh, and I just said, the Beatles sucks. Or the Beatles suck. And then I added Caleb and said, back me up on this. And then it just went just down. I, I I doubled down. I said, I'll die on this hill. Ringo is the only good part. He's a human metronome. And then don't get me started on Yoko. I'm just. All right. I mean, that's one thing we could agree on. Well, right you should be pro Yoko because if you're anti Beatles. <laughs> well, no, he destroyed the my Beatles. Stance. So. True. My stance is they're great musicians, but their music just is, is average. It's vanilla. They're like, it's like beans on toast as music. That's what it is. It's, it's nothing significant. I don't think that they should have the cultural significance that they do today compared to some other bands of that Dude, time. I think you came up with this take on chat GPT. You're like, give me a mild, a mildly controversial take that old people will get angry about. 
and you got the perfect oh, I, take. I know that the geezers are going to be living yeah. in the comment section. Oh, it's the best band of my time. Is it? Are they the really the, the best band of your time? Now, well, pick, pick, some metric, pick some metrics. Like, obviously, music's subjective, or at least opinions on music is subjective. But, like, pick most metrics, and they stand up pretty much on most of them. I, I'll say their music, obviously, has its, its popular music, uh, like, they have 30 million monthly listeners on Spotify. <laughs> popular music is such an understatement. <laughs> it is the most popular music ever recorded. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. You can't argue I, with I, I, I will. I, I do. They, they have some very like massive and the, quite good songs. But the rest of the stuff is just filler. Why, why oh. the fuck are you singing about walruses? And, and, and. <laughs> The lyrics, I the other intern said that it's like the historical version of Drake lyrics. And I was at the gym and I took a screenshot of some of the lyrics. I was just scrolling through the music, you know, going that was pretty funny actually. Going through the um their like essentials playlist or whatever. And the screenshot I sent was uh I'm not gonna argue with you. It was close. Um th- that's pretty clear. I will I just want to say this to start out. What is it with you fucking 22 to 23 year old kids where you're like everything before 2000 sucks balls, dude, fuck this shit. That's not it. That's not, that's not it at all. I'm saying that they shouldn't have the cultural significance that they do compared to other bands. Like I, I, I immediately went to what other bands would you go to? Yeah. I, I went to the who that was, that was a band that they don't, they're not like popular with my generation per se, like pun intended or no, or not pun intended. I'm just my generation to who song. I'm sorry, I jumped in. I apologize. Um, uh, go ahead. <laughs> but like, 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 ball and chain is all about like you know, Guantanamo. Obviously, they they say it quite frequently in that song. And like, there's 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 political. It's songs of that era. I feel like should have substance and like absolute. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, they should they should have a message to them. And I get that not all songs are supposed to be like like fuck the government, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. But are you like a big kid rock guy? If you wanted to relate to this generation, though, it wouldn't be fuck the government or fuck this. It'd be like, how can I do something for you, Mr. Government? I <laughs> like to do, th- like, it's like this generation is, loves is the government, so, dude. Yeah, they're so, like, timid. Rage with the machine. Yeah. I, 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 don't get me wrong. The there's going to be, a, like, there's going to be a breakout from that. Like, every generation finds its eventual point where they do say fuck the government or fuck whatever you know but right now it just feels like this generation's it's like prime day you know like i I will say i don't think i'm mad at the older generations liking the beatles i think i'm more mad at my generation like obsessing over the beatles and like fantasizing over the hippie culture and just Mm. latching onto the beatles i think my like people my (laughs) age Robbie, Robbie, that you're different. You're a music lover. You 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 <laughs> love music in general. That's that's different. I'm I'm thinking more like the Visco girls posting. Ah, uh, okay. Like I I, I get that. stuff. That, like, okay, listen, I can get on board with what you're saying about like the way that people have like put the hippies up as like this amazing thing because I guarantee if any of us were around when the hip hippie like real hippies were doing the thing a good portion of them would have been the most annoying people on earth. Johnny, oh, how sure. much no, would I, Johnny, how much would I have hated hippies? Oh, I mean, you still, oh, you would hate it. Like you're I would have fucking hated hippies, dude. <laughs> like legit I mean, hate I, hippies. I fucking hate hippies right now. Just good. You should. For, for completely different reasons. Like 
with the I, I got I got a VW bus sitting in my garage, and when I when I was trying to buy one, all those old motherfucking hippies were selling them <laughs> for like four hundred thousand dollars, and I was like, no, I just want like a nice one that hasn't got cum stains all over the fucking the back seat. And That's a lot like, to ask for. It is yeah. a lot to ask That's for. That's a lot to ask for, dude. Especially what, I mean, what else are you from, doing in a VW bus? <laughs> where I'm Boy. from, where where Woodstock is like two hours away from me. Mm. So yeah. I, I'm just I'm just more mad at my generation, I I think. All right, Robbie. Well, why don't you unleash? <laughs> I don't know, like if I could change his mind necessarily, but in terms of like the why they're so beloved, I think is most not mostly, but a, a lot of it is because of their influence. Like mm. you look at any rock band that came after them, who are you influenced by? And the answer is the Beatles, like almost right away, like yep. e- like almost every single rock band. And it goes beyond rock pop too. like it, it goes to pretty much every genre. You could hear a country artist say it was inspired by the Beatles. They're the first songs a lot of people learn. They're perfect in that. Like you said, the I am the walrus thing, like there's such a cool story behind every Beatles song. Yeah. I am the walrus was written by John Lennon when he heard that school teachers were teaching uh, college courses on the Beatles lyrics. And he was like, that is fucking dumb. We write our <laughs> lyrics when we are high as fuck and they don't mean anything. So let me write a song with purposely dumb, confusing nonsense lyrics and see if they start dissecting the genius of the Beatles. And they, so they were basically trolls. They were trolling the media right away and they Love were it. taking crazy chances when they go to the Sergeant Peppers era where they completely change their sound. They experiment, they invent new sounds, new recording techniques. They never tour again, but they become the greatest studio band ever. But I think it's also the- one of those things. If you look at just take the Beatles, if you don't like their sound or them specifically, like you can find so many hits that they wrote that other artists did. Mm-hmm. Like it's they've they in, their songwriting influenced everything. I mean, when when Ray Charles can cover your like, they were they wrote songs good enough that like Ray Charles was covering them. Sinatra, Sinatra. covered yesterday. Yeah, yeah. crazy. I, Which I know is funny because he hated our, them. Yeah, he did hate them. That's true. <laughs> it's funny too because like I, I I did say in the group chat I was like. I get why a Beatles album is number one. Sgt. Peppers wouldn't be my pick. I, I, I've i never understood the dying, undying love for Sgt. Peppers. Like, I've never understood that. The White Album. So what's your Beatles album? Your White Album? White Album. White Album guy. That was the, what I grew up. I'm probably a White Album guy as well, but I think the aesthetic of Sgt. Peppers is the most iconic, and that carries it so much. Which yeah. one is Fool on the Hill on? I never remember which album. So, uh, uh, Sgt. Peppers. Oh, that is? No, Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, yeah. Magical the, Mystery Tour is like Blue Jay Wayne soundtrack. Like that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's I funny think that's too. Mine. I, uh, when we were that's talking about Sgt. Peppers, it reminded me do you know who um, actually in, like influenced Sgt. Peppers? Like the reason they made Sgt. Peppers the way they made Sgt. Peppers? No. It's Pet no. Sounds, Beach Boys. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They heard, they heard, Paul, they heard Paul especially sounds. loves Beach Boys. Yeah. And they were like, why does this sound this way? If you listen to the record with that kind of idea in mind, you're like, oh, that's why they got so weird. Which yeah. is interesting. Once again, this is not helping our old people argument because we're talking about the Beach Boys <laughs> and Frank Sinatra. So I think we're kind of like going that way. But Frank Sinatra what, was old in his time, though. Like he was, he always had that kind of grumpy printer. old man, angry yeah. about like the Beatles sort of thing. I also, love Sinatra. Tony Bennett's. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I love certain things about Sinatra, but for me, Tony Bennett's way better. 
You're wrong. Oh, but that's okay. wow. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll, I can't we'll listen to that in Jersey City and just like. Yeah, I was wow. just going to say. I think was... if you go look it up, Frank Sinatra even said it himself about Tony. He was I mean, just I'm being sure modest. he was humble about it. Yeah, yeah he was but, anything yeah, no. but humble, guys. Like literally. Did you guys know? <laughs> did you guys know why he died with ten pocket? Why, why he was buried with ten dimes in his pocket? No. This is a fun fact I learned from Large at Barstool. He did the twisted history of Frank Sinatra, and they buried him with 10 dimes in his front pocket per his request because his son was kidnapped in his lifetime, and the kidnappers would only talk to Sinatra via payphone. So he always, out of fear of that happening again, got his son back and everything, out of fear of that happening again, wanted dimes to be able to pay with a payphone. That's a crazy story. (laughs) That's insane. Isn't that fucked up? That's real fucked up. Damn, you're, that's how traumatized you are from a situation that you want to be buried with it, just so in the afterlife you're yeah. still... Damn, that's crazy. Large okay. came over and just dropped that on my head the other day and just... Robbie's like, hey, well, Large, how are you? He's like, you ever hear about Sinatra and the dimes? He's like, Sinatra, <laughs> 10 dimes. You know why? I was like, why? And told me that. Well, Cole, Cole, I appreciate you being here to take to take some some beating for that. I, I, you know just what? Go I back. appreciate you, said you know, something t- about doing the take, Drake. Here, you know? What about Drake? There was some comparison that Cole made uh, about the, the lyrics. Some of the lyrics are are it's the historical version of Drake lyrics. In and a lot of like the band, the simplicity uh, and kind of the corniness is what you're going it was, for. It right? was very corny. Like, um, if, if the song was, fuck, I don't, I'm not even that well versed in them. But it said, uh, here it is. It was if I fell, if I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me understand? Cause I've been in love before and I found that love was more than just holding hands. And I was like, I could see Drake singing that and rapping that like to <laughs> some like R and B love. Beat. Hey, AI let's that's no, about this is that. the conversation we've been okay. having in the group chat today. I feel yeah, like this is one of those is. conversations we just keep giving Cole enough rope and he's just going to hang himself. Like, <laughs> can you say it a little more succinctly? Just say you think that John Lennon is this, on the same level as a songwriter as Drake. Just say that as one clip <laughs> and see if we can just get that clipped. Uh, I'm going to stop talking Drake, now. When you brought up the Drake thing, my first thought was like, I forgot when the Beatles uh, had that line about the square root of 69 is eight something. I was like, damn, dude, Drake fucking sucks. <laughs> I do. I love Drake. Don't get me wrong. I love Drake, but there is a Drake's lot got of the Beatles tat, right? He's got he a does. tattoo of him walking in front of them on Abbey Road. It's so fucking sick if that's true. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. I think that dude. I think that's what his tattoo is. Actually, Drake's a good way to leeway into this conversation. Before we get into Robbie's stalker story, uh, we need to talk about this. Artists keep getting hit with shit on stage. Every day, there's another thing. Drake, well, first off, Drake kind of invited it where Drake was on stage. It was basically like, throw brows at me. And then people threw other shit. And it's like, well, you invited that. But Cole, you can back me up on this. Harry Styles has been hit in the face with something. BB mm-hmm. Rexa. Um, Pink. Some lady threw their fucking mom's ashes at Pink. That was crazy. What? That's ridiculous. That's that's ridiculous. The ashes is is probably the worst. Also, Her reaction kind of- really cracked me up though. She picked a <laughs> Ziploc bag up and she went, "Is this your mom?" <laughs> I, I I just think of the Big Lebowski where they're like throwing the ashes and it just yeah. it just blows in his face. I'm just thinking like too like do you think your, her mom's kind of disappointed that of all the artists she picked pink? She's like, "This is the final resting place." <laughs> it's Maybe she was in front of trapeze. What was the final story? Was she or was her mom a big fan or something? Was it just her I mom wanted so, to be? Yeah. Her mom wanted to be disappointed in the afterlife, so she threw her ashes <laughs> at a pink doctor. Oh, I'm What's sorry, dude. Pink slander. You're not a pink guy. 
I don't know, dude. My my wife loves Pink. Like that's like Bro, a Pink con- is like, good. She's got a Look killer voice. Pink doing uh, "Babe, I'm gonna le- uh, leave you" from Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin, really? Unbelievable Pink's, cover. Pink's like a local girl to me. She she's from Doylestown. She's not far out. So she has so why Pink. aren't you repping for her like a, like a true Philly guy, Colin? Because like also like when I think of that, it's like okay, if you see fucking Paul McCartney, I'll throw my mom's ashes. Like I get that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, like the, <laughs> I'll whip him at the stage. Like, I'm if throwing I die, a brick. Like if I die, throw my shit on a stage of the Playboy Cardi concert. I think I'd be fucking hilarious. Dude, Paul McCartney's Holy. a hologram anyway, so you're not gonna hit him. You do believe that? Do you think that oh, John's really dead? Oh, that would be such a good Black Mirror twist. <laughs> that Paul McCartney. Yeah. Someone like tries to time? like super famous artist. They blow up. Someone tries to hit him with something on stage, and it goes right through him. And then it's revealed that they're a hologram. Have you been seeing the shit about at Drake, on Drake's tour? He has like a younger version of himself sitting next to him on the couch. But I, I heard that's so, so corny. We look, we looked it up. Apparently, it's an actor playing it the young version of Drake. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a video of him walking that. off. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was people were that. saying it was a hologram and they handed him the book and it blew my mind. I was like, we have unbelievable technology now that I yeah. don't comprehend. But that's no, totally it was just a real person handing right him there. a book. Yeah. Hello, David. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's nice to see you, buddy. How you been? I've been better. To say the least. What's wrong with you? What's wrong now? <laughs> oh, I'm getting bullied on the internet again. For what? Is this North the Northwestern shit? Yeah. Because I know more than everybody else knows. So you're, you know more than everybody else. Were you in the locker room getting naked with everybody? I saw the videos. I heard the recordings. Jesus. It was 2AT, just standard locker room shit, at least from what I saw. I'm not saying I saw – I wasn't a fly in the wall for 100% of this shit, but I saw what was described in all these reports, and I'm like, that is what they're talking about? That? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'd be in prison if the shit that we were doing in our locker room in college and high school got out. And you can say the same thing, and so can 99% of anybody who's been in a locker room. Yeah, Cole actually, when he was playing lacrosse, uh, he used to just whip his dick out all the time and just put it all over everybody. Isn't that right, Cole? I, that's that's see, I'm I'm cutting this part out. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, nothing did, you could say. I don't think Cole. It's gonna be get you more hate than yeah. Half no, the shit you yeah, said you're already, already fucked. Yeah, you're already <laughs> fucked. You just missed an entire conversation about how Cole thinks the Beatles suck. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree. <laughs> um, even if the Beatles are not my favorite band ever which they're not um like their successes and their popularity speak for themselves i didn't necessarily say they suck i said that well i did say they sucked but i really meant that they don't deserve to be like the greatest band of the you know 20th century but that's like arguing against a river because that's like it they they are. They just are. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the the who says the cultural... just because everyone else says. Yeah, Record I mean when you when you're talking about cultural ratings. significance, you are talking about the impact it's had on culture, and the, it's like a by definition the fact that everyone says it kind of makes it true. Like you can totally disagree. I don't even care that you if you're it's, it's not your thing. Like it doesn't bug me because I don't give a shit about that. But like as a fact, it's like saying Mount Everest is the tallest mountain. Like it is, and I feel right, like. Cool. Here, no, here's the no, question, Cole. Who is your 
It's not the biggest mountain? Oh, don't <laughs> give me your not? Hawaii from the bottom of the ocean shit. You know what I okay, mean. Okay, here we go. Well, I was just <laughs> fucking with you. I didn't know that was actually a thing. Yeah, then who, yeah. is the, who is the, the band of the 20th century then? If it's there, the there is no definitive. You can't just uh-huh. say, it, it's the Beatles. Fuck you guys. Like, Plop your nuts a- on the table and pick somebody. <laughs> yeah, do it. If do it's it. not the Beatles, who would it be? Uh, bands? Welcome to the fucking blender, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking hell. I know whatever like I'm going to say. Are we talking bands or movies now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> Crazy, I'm thinking, maybe. I don't know. I feel like, like, fuck. Bands? Bands. I'm just, fuck <laughs> it. I'm just going to say Queen. I'm saying Queen. Oh, okay. I'm not going to, I'm, look, I'm not a respectable I'm not pick. Respectable. But Queen would say that they were influenced by the Beatles. Mm hmm. But that's just like the given answer. That's like when someone accepts an Oscar, they they thank their parents. Like that's they thank that's Jesus. Just, they thank Jesus, and like that's that's Jesus. And I feel like that answer. makes the Beatles that band. Yeah, uh, don't don't point. don't equate the Beatles to Jesus. The they Beatles are not did it Jesus. Themselves. They that already did it themselves. was a big thing in the Beatles history. Yeah, that yeah, was a big thing in the Beatles history. <laughs> People got real mad. They got real mad. I'm a Stones over Beatles guy myself, but that's just I, because. I, I've told this story. I've told this story on the podcast before, but growing up, I didn't listen to the Beatles because my dad didn't have any Beatles shit in the house. Because my dad told me, and this is a John Budney classic, the Beatles are for pussies, is what he told me. (laughs) So if you ever wonder why I am the way that I am, there's your answer. Like Um, to buy that man a beer. No, you don't. Uh, Let's move on. (laughs) Let's move on. Um, No, let's get back into the conversation about hitting people on stage with shit. So why is it that people now, is it because it's become like a viral trend that like it's cool to fucking hit people with shit on stage and now it's just a thing that's going to go on for a couple more weeks? Or is it a bigger problem that people just forgot how to fucking act when COVID happened and now we don't know how to go to concerts anymore? What about the third option? Music sucks. That's also fair. I mean, I never said that. I never said that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm kidding. Fuck people that throw shit on stage. I'm just confused when it became okay to see Harry Styles walk on a ramp and hit him in the face with something. Also, if you're Harry Styles, jump in the crowd and beat that dude's ass. You have a full right too. I don't mind that. I, I think it would stop if that happened. It's not going to happen, but I think it would be a nice fucking leeway into getting people to stop fucking throwing shit. Like, where does it end? Is this a, a short-term trend? Or is I'll this tell you where it ends. Where it, it ends end? when you stop acknowledging its, its existence because these people are getting their clicks. Facts. So what you're suggesting is getting their clicks. Like, hit in the face and just move on. But it's I mean, not like, but like if you hit someone in the face with an with your phone or a rock or so, a battery or something and Barstool blogs it, like the thrower doesn't get anything out of that, right? No, he, well, yeah, he does, but he's it's like at a little party like 20 years from now, showing a t- grainy cell phone video. He's like, look, I threw this. It's like, it's so insignificant, but it does catch people's attention, you know, like as a story. It's corny. It's just not cool. Like, I don't get where people get off doing this. And you get I mean, the chicken, like chicken wire back up like at Honky Tonks, you know? Yeah, exactly. Do the yeah. roadhouse. Put a fucking uh, chicken wire up in front of people. Also, if you can't act right, don't go to shows. That's the end of the story. But cool. like... Who was the guy that 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 got interviewed afterwards? And he said, like, they asked him, "Why did you do this?" And he said, "I thought it would be funny, <laughs> just flat out." Answer. Like, and again, that's probably my generation just being a bunch of dickheads. Yep. And COVID completely frying everyone's social skills. Yep. But again, I feel like it should be basic knowledge to not throw shit at people in general. Mm-hmm. And then people up on stage who are giving you a service, you pay to go see these fuckers, and then you're just going to throw. 
like rocks at their forehead because it might be funny. Like, we dealt with that in Pub Punk once. It was bad. Well, I know. I've been really? hit with a bottle. I've been hit with a yeah. bottle. Bottles, bottles, and cans, and like they were th- like tall boys. And Roan sure. like egged it on as it was happening, and they were hitting PFT Zamp. They, I had such a big like bruise on my thigh from one that just hit me full. It was bad. It was, and it well, you, you just feel horrible when you're up there. Yeah, I mean, your show. There's a sure. there's a there's a punk band that was in Philly like when I was first starting out, and they were called Beer Me. And their entire shtick was they wanted you to throw bottles at them. <laughs> they and were stone so cold. They were four yeah, stone colds. Until my buddy Andy, because they threw, you're supposed to throw cans. Andy threw a bottle and got <laughs> carried out of the fucking bar. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I know how it ends. When somebody does it to Taylor Swift, that's when it ends. Oh, they can't. You can't. Well, yeah, that's when you know when you hear stories about like in South, South America, like, referee head on spike over soccer match yeah like, the swifties would have a head on the oh spike oh my yeah. god they they would they would legitimately it's... like zombie level swarm the person yes. and rip them to shreds like 28 days later that's yeah. the answer it's some superstar it's got to be some superstar getting domed with but, a gnarly fan base yeah but no harry styles it already happened harry styles you think that would be the person harry styles no. fans yeah. are so passive like taylor swift fans <laughs> will go to war like like True. we just did uh, the, the the argument who would win in a fight 100 taylor swift fans or 100 uh k-pop fans mm. I, k-pop would work too if, if someone domed a k-pop artist with something it's it's game over. Twitter would but have I, a meltdown. That's the thing. I feel like K-pop fans are more Twitter fingers. I feel like Taylor Swift fans, it'd be like 90,000 teenage white women just ripping a dude to shreds. You would get like <laughs> curb stomped by a girl in a sparkly dress and a pink cowboy hat. <laughs> a broken Chardonnay get, bottle. Like, to the- <laughs> you might get bitch slapped in public for saying that, Colin. You're going to be at the mall and someone's going to walk up behind you and just be like, boom. I heard what Don't you say that shit you- about K-pop. And I turn around and it's a it's like a, a 13 year old kid with like a fucking a K-pop T-shirt on. And I'll be like, what am I going to do about this? I can't really react. Nothing. I'll <laughs> yeah. live That's for fine. safety reasons. I'm going to say that Taylor Swift is better than the Beatles. Just going to say it for safety. This is for my own personal safety. I don't want I'm, I'm not getting targeted in public. The only thing that and she's got a long ways to go, but she might be on the trajectory to one day outdo the Beatles. Sales wise, dude, dude shut the fuck up. <laughs> what, yeah, in what way? That was if you're talking I'm, sales, I'm sorry, that was bait. Like, you know, that was bait. Sales, like compared to Walmart or something. We're not. We're talking about music, like artistry and uh, influence I'm, on music. Like, yeah, she's that's a not fucking. What we're talking about. Dave, I was baiting you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking. We're talking about the whole package. We're not talking about musically. Yeah, she can play guitar a little bit and sing a little bit and dance and all that stuff. A little bit i'm saying the entire thing she like as everybody knows the beatles and lennon and blah 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 and abbey road everybody knows the beatles everybody will know taylor swift 50 years from now but if you give the beatles lasers and pyrotechnics and fucking gillette stadium the beatles will surpass taylor swift any day of the week it's it's a different level and this is coming from a guy who hates the beatles yeah that, no that's 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 very fair um times obviously technology evolves but like she's and i'm not saying i'm right either i'm just kind of playing devil's advocate she's as a-list as a-list gets on the planet it would make for a shitty podcast if like nobody or if everybody disagreed so how many people on planet earth right now as we speak even in the last like 15 20 years like our adult lives could sell out 
stadiums, 100,000 people, 80,000 people across the entire world on multiple nights in a row? Michael Jackson. There's one. Yeah. There's yeah. one. I think it really comes down to like, I'm, I'm going to be almost serious for a moment. Like, you got to judge this across time. It can't just be who sells stadium tickets because th throughout history, there's been some people that have filled stadiums that haven't Poison. been the nicest people. Poison. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking like uh, dictators. So like oh. filling a stadium is not is not <laughs> the only no. mark of greatness in uh, in humanity. The like Beatles. Hitler Taylor sold Swift. out Madison Hitler. Square Garden in like That's 1937 true. or something. Is that actually true? true? It is yeah, true, yeah. Actually true. They did an event at MSG? They did do an event Prior MSG, to yeah. the invasion of Poland, yes, they did. And like Poland. that was when nationalism like was on the fucking swastikas? Yep. Oh, yeah. Full oh, blown, yeah. dude. I mean, okay. Oh, my God. Not we, did you say, who are we talking about? Adolf, Adolf Nazis. Bro, imagine the merch that night. <laughs> imagine the merch line. Oh, cut. I'm cutting this entire fucking <laughs> no, segment. Fuck, funny. <laughs> Don't be a pussy, Cole. But anyway, to make my, my point is that I think you have to judge it across time and the impact it has on, let's say, the medium. Like, we can compare sales and all that. Like, the impact that the Beatles have had on recording technique, songwriting, like, harmony, everything. It's like they've affected everything to such an extreme level i do not think taylor swift is going to have that effect yes she'll be known like she's a fucking monster superstar and she can sell out you know earth she could sell out earth but i don't think it's going to have the same impact on the on the art form as they had whoa hold on a second yeah so i'm looking at this 1939 nazi rally at madison square garden in the backdrop it wasn't nazi shit it was george washington and american flags well, there's Nazis on the sides of those, or swastikas, rather. Um, what the fuck? This is when he wasn't, well, I mean, he always was. Were you saying when he wasn't that bad of a guy? I was about, he wasn't who he <laughs> became later on. Obviously, he had grand aspirations, but, like, he wasn't vilified yet at this point, is what I'm saying. That's fucking crazy. This is like when Time named him Person of the Year. Yeah, he, he was did. Time Person of the Year, too, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. What 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 warranted him being person of the year? I mean, he completely. I think it's just like isn't isn't it just supposed to be like the most famous, like most in the news person of the year? Well, yeah, Trump is it too. Isn't it supposed too, to be yeah. that. Also, I don't think Hitler was there. I think it was just a. I won it in '06. Uh, did you? No. Yeah. Who did? In '06, it, 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 it was it was you, the reader. Oh, that's corny. Ugh. <laughs> So, Such a lazy. That's a lazy. Yeah, what the fuck? They they got together and the best they could come up with was you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right, enough of that. Uh, Robbie, let's talk about your stalker situation. What just happened? Yeah, I had like half a Mark David Chapman day in that I brought a vinyl to Central Park to get it signed by one of my favorite artists. Yeah, gratefully the first afterwards. half of the day. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have a book with me. I didn't think I was holding Caulfield. It didn't get to that point. But uh, I was going to see Noel Gallagher to last yesterday in Central Park at the Central Park Summer Stage, which is like a pretty, I don't know, it's it's big as an outdoor venue, but it's a very small part of Central Park. So in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I'll just go to the park midday and get to hear him sound check. I'm such a big Oasis freak, obviously, that I was like, that would be sick if I could hear a couple extra songs. And I saw that he's been coming out and saying what's up to fans that do that on this tour because, unfortunately, ticket sales for this tour haven't been great. So there's mm -hmm. only like 
15, 20 fans outside the venue per day. Now, when I got in there last night, it was sold the fuck out, like wall to wall packed like I couldn't believe. But at the park, I get to the venue and there's like 16 people, including me and just super fans, like people from Brazil, people from England, people from Argentina, all traveling to New York just to see this Noel Gallagher and garbage co-headline show. On the way to the park, I was like, let me stop at a vinyl store and get a vinyl just in case I don't like see him, see him, but I see him from a distance. Maybe I could hold up the vinyl and be like, hey, can you sign this? So I grab a Sharpie, stop at the record store, and I was going to get one of his solo records because I was like, that would probably be best. He would probably appreciate that, but they didn't have any. So I just bought Uh oasis the master plan which is the b-sides album which the master plan is obviously like a signature Knoll song so i thought it was fitting thank god i did that because i wait outside the venue for a few hours hear the sound check i hear him do the importance of being idle like a couple oasis songs that he wasn't doing later in the night really cool and then he starts coming out like of we were at the entrance he starts coming at the exit and one of the fans got a call like he's leaving he's leaving so we hauled ass and I actually ran like I, I had to think about it for a second. It was like, am I really this guy? <laughs> am I really about to run across Central Park with a vinyl record in my hand? I was like, fuck it. Yes, I'm that guy. I'm that I got live forever tatted on my collarbone. I'm that guy. That's Today, like two steps I'm, I'm and you're going to be autograph. a, a Swifty next week. Yep. For real. And so it's, no, a slippery, but, it's a slippery slope, listen, Robbie. <laughs> listen. I know Swifties have their friendship bracelets. I, I put on a bracelet that an Oasis fan gave me when we were in line. They made custom bracelets and gave them to everyone that was out there. So I'm literally like a Swiftie for Noel Gallagher at this point. But <laughs> did you, thank God did you have I bought a conversation? No, I was too starstruck. I ah. get I get up to the front and Noel's security guard is like, hey, guys, we don't have time for pictures today, just autographs. So I was like, oh, thank fuck I brought this fucking record. And I get up to the front. He hands me, or he he signals like, "Come on, let let's go!" And boom, you could see there it. There you go. Like huge. He signed it huge. Um, and and I I fucking got it signed, and um, I handed it to him, and I was kind of I had the video because I'm gonna make like an Instagram reel of it or whatever. And in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I'll say something funny for the video. Maybe I'll be like, "Hey, by the way, call Liam." on the way out and just get out of there or something <laughs> you got your but ass I, beat dude <laughs> i swear i handed him the vinyl and like a little kid my voice like trembled i was like thank you he signed it gave back <laughs> i just said thank you so much and i walked away oh Robbie, my God. How, like you you've met especially out in new york with you know people coming in and out of hq yeah. every day. how like i don't get starstruck anymore we sat down with brian erlacher for an hour and i'm like i don't care like and that was <laughs> he was the athlete of my adulthood for the most part aside from like michael jordan Right. Yeah. Like there, there, it would be hard for me to get starstruck by anybody on earth at this point. Is that the only guy you've ever been like actually starstruck by? No, like there's, there's people for me that I could still get starstruck by well, Mark Connor. Hamill, Connor McGregor, Connor McGregor though. Like honestly, oh, you know a little bit. I, I, yeah, at this point I could honestly say like, it's, I'm a little starstruck still. He just has like a different aura about him yeah. when he, he comes, mm-hmm. he commands a room like Presence, you've never yeah. seen. So like you still get a little starstruck, but like Dave said, like at this point, we've had a couple interactions to the point where he comes you up and says, what's up, Robbie? And it's, oh, you know, it calms the nerves a little. Um, if I met Dave Grohl, I would get super starstruck. Yeah. I think Paul McCartney, Someone Ringo Starr, yeah, yeah. 
like a living beetle. Cool. Um, who, but there's Cole, definitely who would you get like, starstruck for? Musicians as well, I feel like are different for me because like if I listen to their song 10,000 times, yeah. and it means the world to me. And I associate mm-hmm. it with memories and times and friends and family. Like that's a, it brings me to a different level with music. Cole, who would you get starstruck for? Uh, so I actually had a similar story. Um, I think it was last year. I was in Columbus with Caleb actually. And it was, uh, <clears throat> it was my favorite DJ. His name's Joyride. Small er DJ. He's not super famous, but um, I was the only one there with a Joyride hat. And Mm. most of the people there were just like, you know, ravers and that sort of shit. So after the show, I'm like, I'm front and center. I'm standing right in front of him, probably 10 feet away. Um, His girlfriend is there. And like, I just hold up the hat like, hey, look what I got. Like, not expecting to sign. It's a black hat. I don't have a silver marker. His girlfriend comes running down, whips out a silver Sharpie, runs back up on stage. He signs it. Um, And then after the show, like I'm sitting, we, we parked out back and then. And then sure enough, out he comes with a Corona and a cigarette, this British guy, Ginger. And I'm just like, Caleb, 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 who it is? He's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so I, I go over there, talk to him. And it was, he's just like the coolest guy ever. Just shooting the shit, talking about like music production. Like we're getting super nerdy into it. And like, I love every second of it. So I get a picture. It's on my Instagram. Um, so that was probably the only time I, I actually got a little starstruck. But then once I talked to him and, you know conversed it was just me caleb and then some like weird ass fucking ravers out there wearing like bunny ears and mm. ugh, it's not very yeah. plural <laughs> for me to say but um the only other person would probably be armin van buren because that was like when when i was little my dad would play his old cds in the car and like i just grew up loving his music so probably him yeah i i think that's fair. i like when you're starstruck or someone who isn't like you know god level where it's like like you're talking like mccartney or anything like that like it's someone who's specific to you yeah like for me that was g love when we had g love on the podcast i was like a little kid i was like holy fuck i can't believe this is real i'm sure for you that was huge like hawk harrelson we i've interviewed a few times now but he's in his mid 80s now we interviewed him like a little over a year ago and like age age is taking its course and and i was like i I love this man. Like to me, he is my guy, you know? Right. And that whole interview, I was like jittery pounding coffee uh, on the way out there and everything. So that, that definitely like when ice cube walked in the office last summer, like mm-hmm. I didn't really feel anything, even though oh, I, I would. <laughs> understand how culturally significant him and NWA and his movies and everything that he's ever touched is. Um, But to your point, like, yeah, like Brad Knoll, if we could like, you know, resurrect him resurrect him i would be like uh well you know you know who my guy would be if i met him it'd be springsteen 100 yeah. percent. i'd cry and pee like i wouldn't even know what to do <laughs> i'd freak and Kanye. Be- go ahead go ahead one of the, one of the one of the funniest quick videos that i appreciate that barstool has put out is when um tiger woods just won the masters and Riggs oh yeah and and trent are like Riggs handles it like a complete pro just as like he's boys with tiger even i don't know if he is or isn't but he was like acting like he wasn't he played it off well if he wasn't but trent was like oh that was awesome man i've seen that i love i love yeah the actual it's i don't like when people are like i don't like when people are like not a big deal whatever 
I'm I'm one of those people that if I meet someone that like I really care about, I'm like, dude, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. Like meeting Nickelback, I was like, holy fuck, I'm not even that big of a Nickelback guy, but I was like, this is the coolest thing. I get excited about everything, so it's like that. But like, fuck, like Robbie, good for you that you got to meet Noel. I'm happy for yeah, you. Yeah, Liam's next. Yeah, I'm happy for you, man. <laughs> like, I, I, don't say I, it I like that. Yeah, Robbie, don't no, say it like but that. It's I'm saying, Robbie, don't say it like Liam's next. Like, you're that's when you're getting more damage happening a little <laughs> yeah, bit. You're yeah, like, yeah, Liam's yeah. next on my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. You well, should let's try go. to get Liam's autograph on that same vinyl. Ooh. See if we'll do it. I thought about it already. Yeah. I already ordered the vinyl frame and everything. I'm all over the top like that. Yeah. Answer me this if the autograph wasn't so humongous, would you get it tattooed? No, I'm not. I'm, You're not I don't like the autograph tattoos. Yeah. A couple of people in line with me had them. I saw a dude who got a Trump to sign his forearm. And you ever seen Trump's signature? And it's yeah, like just, it's just fucking it's, big it's black like up and down. Yeah. <laughs> he got that fucking tatted on his arm and it just looks like a heart rate monitor. It's like, like a heart yeah. monitor. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Jesus. we've had uh, good. Oh, yeah, Johnny, why didn't we ask you? You're like kind of fucking famous. Like, well, you probably met everybody. No, I don't. I, don't, I was trying to think who I would like. When we went and did that session with T-Pain, I wouldn't say I was starstruck, but I was like incredibly nervous because it was like going in and it's like, it was a super like big professional studio. It wasn't like casual. They were having, and it was like, they were having a party in there. So it wasn't like it was some serious session, but like, I was very nervous about that up front. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like geek, I'm more of a fanboy about like comedians than musicians. For Me some too. reason, I don't give a shit about musicians as much. Like, I'm a huge Bill Burr fan. Like I'd love to fucking meet him, but yeah. also there's he's, most of the comedians I like seem so chill that I don't think you would be as nervous about it. You know, you have to meet Tom Segura because you look like him. I know. I was trying to hook that up <laughs> with uh, the Danny Brown interview. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he yeah, you got to cut Brown. that somehow. I'm, I've got to make that connection, dude, because we live in the same fucking town. At some point, I'm gonna walk past him on a street, and we're both gonna be like. Who the fuck is that? The Spider-Man <laughs> meme. Yeah, because yeah. Danny Danny Brown's podcast is through Tom Segura's company. So Johnny goes, real quick, last question. Do I look like Tom Segura? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you actually do. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go into the interview with Danny Brown. We'll come out, do a quick on list off. Let's get the fuck out of here. So this is the interview with Danny Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list this week, a true legend, an interview we've waiting for for a while, host of the Danny Brown Show. Danny Brown, how are you, bro? Yo, yo, what up, man? Doing good, man. Uh, really excited to have you here. This is one I've been geeking out about. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, uh, but we got delayed a little bit because you've been working on yourself. Congratulations on the sobriety. How long has it been so far? Um, shit, I don't know. Check my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I got the app that tells me. <laughs> no, it should be. I'm, I'm over 90 days. So, oh, good for you, man. man. Congrats, man. Yeah, it was a, a legendary Twitter DM where I was like, Yo, Danny, when can we set this up? And you're like, Yeah, I'll get back to you, man. I got to go to rehab. I'll be right back. It was legendary. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's been was... 97 days, but I'm 31 days with no cigarettes. So, oh my God. Has that been harder? The cigarettes? I yeah. mean, I, I didn't have any intentions on stopping to smoke cigarettes. I didn't have any intentions on stop smoking weed. I went for drinking. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it just happened like that, I guess. Now you're just yeah. flying straight, straight up. Yeah, I mean, I take nicotine pouches and right, right. You know, jewel. I hit, I hit a jewel every now oh, and then. I can't help myself. Same, same. I feel like it's tough to cut everything out at one time. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm seeing I'm starting to do that less and less too. So, God damn. Yeah, you you put out scare in the hose, and you were just like, you know what? I gotta I gotta I gotta check myself here. Oh, How shit. has it been no. doing what you've been doing for the last ninety seven days in terms of like? the public aspect of it is it something you don't care about or has it been helpful or hurt or made it more difficult the fact that you're like in the public eye constantly now no i like it i mean i'm saying far as like helping people and shit it's been a lot of people that's been you know encouraging me and and then it's a lot of people that be like man you inspiring me to get right so huh, yeah at the end of the day it's like you know i, I kind of want to help people if you got any problems or something people want to talk like random motherfuckers hit me up asking me questions and shit i answer them I dude, can I say that I fucking love that the addiction gene runs deep in my family and I've got family members who've been to rehab and shit. And like when you hear people argue who don't understand it, it makes me, you know, it's like good for you, man. Helping people. It's it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that I mean, they kind of teach you that in rehab in some sense. And it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah, it, I mean, people kind of keeps you sober in some sense, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you have such a, a big fucking audience now with the Danny Brown show, and like now you're going back out on tour, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and dude, I was helping motherfuckers get high, so shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is all retribution. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so. is it is it gonna be weird to be like go on stage and not have anything to like kind of like get you right before? You know what I mean? Like, cause it's been like a a thing you've done, and then you're gonna go out. And, is this the first time you've ever toured sober? I mean, yeah, but the first day I got out of rehab, I had a show. Shut up. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, literally the first day I played at Arizona State. So it was like, what the fuck? And of all places, Arizona State University. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, nah, what I learned is, man, um, for the most part, man, being on stage has been kind of therapeutic for me. Yeah. For yeah. the most part, like, I, yeah, I used to be, you know, I'd be nervous and, oh, shit, my fucking dog's barking. What? It's fine. You're going to get way weirder shit out of us in the background. Don't need to worry about <laughs> I it. I had to go grab her. Let me see. Let me get her. Go ahead, man. Uh, I want that uh, pit bull cut out. <laughs> yeah, dude. We I have to get the pit bull cut out. Who should we get as dude, a background? Our, our, Matt Coma at his shows for Winneka Bowling League, he has cutouts of Vin Diesel and somebody in the rock. Oh, what's his Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, what's his name? Oh, get Billy Corgan as a background? Yeah, Billy Corgan as a cutout. Dude, I've heard these Billy Corgan interviews lately, and the shit he says is so... Yeah, it's only going to be able to keep her quiet. <laughs> Have her on your lap. <laughs> yeah, she's the real star of the show. Oh, <laughs> my God. Hell yeah, dude. Have you ever that. lived in a more dog-friendly city than Austin? Because when right. I moved out here two years ago, like I could not believe... The amount of dog, like you literally can't even open a restaurant if it doesn't accept dogs here. <laughs> Hotels, all that shit. Yeah. How'd you but wind yeah. up in Austin? Um, I met a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Classic story. And, and I was coming back. I was coming all the time. And then when, you know, me and time, we always talked about doing a podcast together. So once he kind of was like, you know, they move in the studio to Austin and shit, you know, at the Rogan and all that shit. I was like, shit, I'm coming to the end. Fuck it. <laughs> well, yeah. So the Tom Segura thing's funny to me because, like, you strike me as the kind of guy that, like, was built for podcasting because you're funny. You'll fucking talk about anything. But then you get linked up with your mom's house and Tom Segura. Like, how long have you known Tom for? Um, for some years. I mean, it just, it just started off with just me being a fan, being a fan of YMH and, you know, watching all their podcasts and stuff. And then... I went on a show and then after I did his show, he was like, man, you should do podcasts and shit. And I was just like, man, I don't want to do that shit, you know? 
It was kind of like, I mean, then I was, you know, I always to tell him, like, I'll do it if you produce it. I'll do it if I'm on the network. And then, you know, we just went back and forth. And then COVID happened. We was kind of chatting all the time and shit. And then, you know, just once they moved off, and I just follow right behind them. I enjoy the fact that it's not like it's just you in front of a fucking green screen. Like you can you can do the show like solo. You don't need guests. Like I've watched plenty of episodes where I'm just like dying laughing. Just you talking <laughs> to a fucking microphone. Like, are you surprised at how successful it's been? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, to be honest, it, that's what helped me to get sober. Shit. Seeing because I couldn't do it without having a drink here and there. Mm. And before I knew it, I was having whole bottles. And then it was just a fucking, you know, train wreck. <laughs> uh, and seeing myself like that was like, oh, maybe uh, it wasn't even a maybe. It was like, motherfucker, you need help. So, <laughs> so I, just I getting mean, to getting to watch yourself was like, oh fuck, it's probably yeah, time. Yeah. So if it, if it helped for anything, it definitely was the main reason for me to get sober. So that's such a weird aspect of modern life right now is that so many people, not even people that are like necessarily super public. There's so much recording of yourself that it's really hard to avoid catching a glimpse and be like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm fucking out of line or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And saying crazy shit and then got to apologize to people and just ashamed. <laughs> just being ashamed of shit, you know? So if anything, that, it, it, that was the main thing. I'm, I'm grateful that I was I'm able to do it just for that to happen because I, I wouldn't. it was never my intentions in coming to Austin to fucking get sober. I mean, I moved here. It was that was another thing for me to stop doing drugs and shit. But once I stopped doing drugs, I started drinking more. You know. Did you move to Austin from Detroit, or was there other places in between? No, nah, from Detroit. Kenny spent some time in Detroit. I like he. Detroit. I like Detroit too. Detroit's a great fucking city. Good man. Yeah, I like, yeah, I love it. Ammonia for. I mean, every time I go back home, I'm like, "Fuck, why am I here?" <laughs> but I do. I still love home. You know, family and all that. You know what's it is though about like Detroit? Like, like I've played. The Fillmore, the Fox Theater, like all those places. And you walk out in front of this beautiful venue and it's just like abandoned, burned, shitty buildings all the way around. You're like, so crazy how like how much help Detroit needs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was getting better and then COVID happened. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of friends who bought property because they're like, I swear Detroit's going to be the next thing. And then, yeah, after COVID, it kind of. Yeah. I've seen a lot of shit go down that popped up and then it's like, oh, shit. So. Well, that's like in Philly, people are buying up Kensington. Kensington is the biggest open air heroin market in the world. Yeah. And they're like, no, this is going to, I'm like, dude, you, do you need to nuke this part of the city and start over if you really want to fucking, you know, really yeah, do I it. Yeah, I find myself watching YouTube videos of Kensington. Bro, <laughs> that's, that's where like my wife's family is from. That's like my family's from Port Richmond, which is like the, the part attached to it. And our rehearsal studio for the band is in basically Kensington. Holy shit. Anybody who thinks they're going to buy up Kensington and not have to start over is fucking lying to themselves. The Real Housewives of Kensington show. Yo, oh, that's yeah, a reality TV show I would watch. That's a, not now. You won't get no fucking lines or nothing. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a YouTube series. Like that's a rabbit hole you can fall into. Because I know I am a listener of the podcast. I know you're a fan of the deepest, darkest parts of the internet. Falling into a Kensington rabbit hole is one that you. It, that's a rough one. My YouTube my YouTube algorithms all fucked up. Just videos of Kensington all the time. Yeah, it's not the not the most proudest moments of my life. But yes, I'm <laughs> I'm always on fucking line, internally online. Yeah, you introduced me to Cyrax, which once again fucked up my entire life. So thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, he just got locked up not too long ago. It was hilarious. <laughs> Wait, Cyrax got locked up for what? Yeah, motherfuckers was um, picketing in front of his house with pedo signs and shit. So, 
He came out with a baseball bat and got the swing in it, and they pressed charges on him. It was, I mean, every time I try to get away from the shit, not not be involved and watch that kind of shit, it just pulls me back every time. <laughs> if you don't know what Cyrax is, please do me a favor and go on YouTube and just type in Cyrax. It's thanks for is that. Is the baby. next part of your sober voyage going to be giving up the dark side of the internet? I tried. <laughs> you know you got to take this in baby steps you know what i'm saying so hey man every now and then like i say i i, I, I try to stop because it was almost like it was it was something i would do when i was drunk and shit you know like hurt people hurt people kind of shit you know <laughs> or controlling and shit you know so i was like you know my girl don't like that shit I'm like, let me stop let me leave these motherfuckers alone but every oh, I time them. i think i'm out they pull me right back in <laughs> <laughs> this picture being like a weird dude on the internet like posting videos of you with samurai swords and all of a sudden danny brown's in your comments like pussy <laughs> yeah that was me oh man. i mean i i'll say I, I don't participate as much every now and then but i i watch i still i'm, I'm still an avid watcher you're just like in the you're just in the fucking corner as a viewer it's you're just mm-hmm. you're just lurking yeah because oh, crazy God. shit keep happening so it's like you know I feel like you're the you're the you're the fucking guy, Kenny. I was so proud of my YouTube algorithm. My feed was fucking fire, and then I had kids. Okay, <laughs> my shit's all cartoons and shit now. I can't even watch it. <laughs> some of those cartoons, the uh, the kids' cartoons, I think are the actually the weirdest, darkest part of the internet. Oh yeah, like like the, the especially like the the new three D animated ones. There's something off about that shit. Oh yeah, like all the Elsa Gate shit that was happening. Yeah. Oh uh, wait, was that with Spider Man or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a weird. It was weird. My man does. Yeah. Like yeah, I fucking I I'm I have a kid on the way. My son's doing like three weeks, and I I, think, I don't know how I'm gonna navigate any of this shit. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, you just I really gotta, don't. You gotta pretty much just monitor it, you know, <laughs> yeah. or just turn them loose and see what happens. Just as a social <laughs> experiment. Be like, nah, go ahead, go in on the internet, dude. I mean, right now, the crazy shit is like the, the loopholes of them posting porn and shit, pretty much, where it's like naked yoga. Yeah. It's supposedly used for like educational purposes. Recently, not too long ago, a guy shaved his asshole on YouTube. <laughs> um, educational purposes. And it got 10 million views right now. Jesus. <laughs> what is yeah, that he neared about- his asshole and now it's viral. That say something more about the creator or more about the, the patronage? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's just, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, what the fuck? How is this on YouTube? Like condom tutorials. Yeah. Like, who needs to learn how to put on a condom? You know? I, dude, I know, I, I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you know Jason Tatum, the basketball player? Like, if yeah. you go on YouTube and you type in how to tie a tie, it's like oh, yeah, a 12-year-old yeah, like a a Jason Tatum teaching you how to tie a tie. Like, I can't wait till we have to Google in the years, like, who was the dude on YouTube showing people how to put condoms on? Like, yeah. and it's like a future NBA star. Like, ugh. dude, did yeah, you see crazy. the dude Jalen Green, the dude from the uh, the Rockets? All these videos are coming out of him, like humping his boys. Yeah, and it's like boys are getting rowdy. I don't know what everybody's saying. <laughs> boys are just getting rowdy. I don't know. Who's among us, bro? Who's yeah. among us? He's probably gonna have the number one selling jersey this year. Easily, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I I think it's funny. Like I've been I've been asking this question for a while. It's like, why don't more musicians get into podcasting? Because I feel like there's personalities out there. I feel like you're a perfect person to kind of like lead that charge of like current actually working musicians out here being funny. 
Like, why do you think more musicians don't do this? Like, I know Lil Yachty tried for like one episode. Like, why do you think more musicians don't do podcasting? Um, I don't know. I, I think for the most part, a lot of them want to be, you know, keep their lives a little private. Yeah. Just to keep that whole like celebrity, you know, saying vibe for them and everything. And just with being with being good at podcasting, you have to be open as fuck. And you have to take your, you have to put honest takes on shit. And you know, so a lot of them are like censoring themselves and shit like that. And when you do that, it's not gonna be funny, you know? Yeah, see so for the most part. As a huge fan of music, I find that if I love an artist and then I find out that they're funny like an Oliver Tree or a Tyler, the creator or whoever the fuck, right? It just sends them to the stratosphere for me because then I know that they're ultra talented and they don't take it so fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but most musicians do take themselves serious. And I feel like um, yeah, them feeling like doing that is probably like, you know, like they falling off or something, you know, I got to do a podcast or something like that, you know? Because most, yeah. most of the good guys are kind of guys that's like been doing music forever. And it's pretty much they have to tell in of it or something like that, even though that's not my case. No, I'm still, you know, I got a lot of shit that I still want to co- accomplish musically. So, but for That's- me, I always, you know, I was comedy and, and podcasting and shit. That was always like something that I wanted to get into. You know, it's funny though that people are always like, they look at podcasting like, oh, fucking everybody's got a podcast and it's some sort of negative aspect on a musician's career. But you're like, how many fucking musicians are there? Yeah, yeah I mean, dude. Just, but I mean, it's, I think it's just easy. It, it just comes from too, like when YouTubers was doing music and everybody was like, oh, this. You know, they didn't really respect them musically because they're like, you're a YouTuber. That's why I think they created the fucking word content creator, yeah, which mm-hmm. I hate. Me like, too. You're not a fucking, like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a YouTuber, man. Remember, there was always like a thing like, oh, he's a SoundCloud guy. He's a SoundCloud rapper. You're like, why are you calling him a SoundCloud rapper? He's a rapper. Well, I mean, it's, su- it's such a delicate little thing, like the fashion of music. Do you know what I mean? Like, this, it's so clicking. It's so careful people's reputation. And that's why I think so many musicians are so guarded about just going on a microphone and talking what they actually think, because they've spent years crafting this perfect little image of what a band looks like. And particularly, I feel like alt rock is the worst at this because they're so precious about how they look mm-hmm. that they, they can't go down that angle of just fucking talking like human beings. I mean, Kenny and I toured together on the, and on the bus, we would often talk about that. Like, why are alt rock bands so fucking annoying? Like just the way that they will not kind of openly say what they feel. You're not that good. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's just all about people taking themselves too serious. And then I think a lot of it has to do with like when the whole cancel culture thing was going crazy. So a lot of people scared to say something that could possibly ruin their whole shit that they built, you know? Right, but that's and that's like I I get that. First off, I'm a any press is good press kind of guy. But also, like, if you have to censor so much of yourself to not get canceled, then who the fuck are you? I don't know who you are. Like, you're, you know, there's something yeah. about the people who don't take themselves too seriously and say whatever they want that gives me a true, genuine sense of who they are to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those are the people I want like to like like i want the wild cards i want people who aren't afraid like there's nothing weirder than when like you see someone who's like very well put together and then you talk to them in private and it's like oh this person's actually kind of wild it's like why don't you show that side of yourself but people are so fucking scared of everything it's crazy dude on the flip side though are there any artists that any of you guys like hold in a revered position that if they had a podcast you'd be like fuck don't spoil it you know what i mean like for you, Colin, like if Bruce Springsteen, he did have a podcast with Obama. With Obama, okay, well, that's a little different. 
that's not a podcast if you're doing it with fucking president of america Bro, that's how, like si- how sick would it have been if obama and fucking springsteen had a podcast and the first thing was like yo you eat pussy like they just had like a wild ass <laughs> podcast like i would be in on that i didn't even listen to the springsteen obama one because i i got the gist generally of what it was going to be and i'm sure it was good but like i want the wild shit which is why i listen to danny's podcast i fucking love the danny brown show dude See, my whole thing is almost like that Dave Chappelle bit when he was talking about Ja Rule. It's like, why the fuck would you, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it's like, man, you know, musicians, we, you know, we 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 say crazy shit in our music sometimes. So, you know, it's definitely something off in the brain a little bit. So you can expect for them to have crazy takes on shit, you know, and a lot of people perception is warped too mm. from, from being in the industry for so long. So I think a lot of people want to hear those takes, but... I think for the most part, I, I I get a lot of entertainment from just like regular, normal, everyday motherfuckers that have podcasts yeah. and shit yeah. too. So you know, yeah. I listened or I uh, yesterday I was talking to my wife and I was like, dude, I'm so fucking excited. We have Danny Brown on tomorrow. I'm such a big fan, and she's sitting on the couch, eight and a half months, nine months pregnant, and I'm like, yo, check this out. And I put on Blunt after Blunt on the Alexa, and I think the. <laughs> ate that bitch pussy till she squirted like a dolphin and she was like dude what the fuck is this <laughs> scaring the hose dude it's what you do exactly. but yeah you know, that to me was comedy in my take you know i was always just trying to say the most outlandish shit to make motherfuckers you know i mean i guess like you know like yeah i guess scaring the hose in some sense like scare tactic type shit but it's shock value you know most of the hip-hop that i grew up listening to and i really love the most was shit that i can be like can't believe he said that you know yeah well there's even even the current detroit scene like babytron and shit like that it, and mm-hmm. bfb to pac-man like it's funny like there is a yeah. funny aspect to detroit hip-hop i don't know if that's like in the culture there but that's like where i get my entertainment from yeah because i guess growing up somewhere so dark and so fucked up you gotta entertain yourselves in some sense to be like and then just even just the fact that it's so cold there sometimes like you might not be able to go out the house for three months out of the year so I think a lot of us just, you know, we just have to, that's why we're good at music too, to be honest, because we have so much time to work on it. You know, it's not really like a a, a fucking a, a place where people travel to. It's not really like a tourist economy in Detroit. So what's Detroit's tourist just, economy? Like what is Detroit's <laughs> tourist economy? <laughs> Windsor, Canada. <laughs> they just come over the bridge and have a good time on weekends and shit. No, that, I feel like there's definitely something to that, to like weather and to the darkness of a place that breeds good music. Even if you look back through history, like the Beatles coming out of Liverpool and like post-World War II Liverpool mm-hmm. and all that, you know, like there's just something about that. And that's like the opposite of that. Sometimes I feel like not always the case, but like L.A. where everything's just so perfect only brings about certain kinds of music. And I'm not shitting on you, Kenny. No, I was literally about to say, is that why L.A. music is so fake and shitty? I'm or even like Seattle when they had the whole grunge shit going, you yeah, know? Yeah, dude. I'm laughing thinking about the memes that are like every time a band's like, we got to get out of this little town. It's just a picture of like Encino, like beautiful houses. I <laughs> <laughs> question for you talking about you're talking about music that you were into and where you come from and and why you got into the music, you know, being from Detroit. And one of the questions I had going into this was I was curious, like, who did you grow up on? Like what, what music inspired you when you were a kid that made you think that you wanted to follow it? Um, I mean, my favorite rapper has always been Nas. Yeah. Mm. But you know, I, I've, I've had phases. Like I had a, a, a alt rock phase and super into like corn and system of a down and stuff like that. And then like, you know, even like a lot of, you know, Detroit, we have like a huge, like electronic music scene. So yeah. mm. I, I grew up on house music 
and you know super into like dizzy rascal and the whole uk grime stuff and and um yeah pretty much and just of course a lot of hip-hop like i was super into like bay area hip-hop like e40 too short all that kind of stuff and you know but pretty much like wu-tang and Nas is like my holy grail wu-tang has been my number one my whole life okay so Mm -hmm. my last question on on this topic scout's favorite who do you think's the best rapper I'm curious of all time. We ask a lot of the big rappers like of all time. Like, yeah, like like if you had a top three, if you can't narrow it down to one, like because you can have a favorite, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that you think that they're the best of all time. Yeah. Um, oh, my favorites is it would be goddamn it, here's a dog again. Um <laughs> Nas E40 and Dizzy Rascal, I would say are like my top three and Ghostface Killer. Oh god, okay. think, yeah. You know. But if I would think like the best rapper ever would probably be like Andre 3000. See, oh fuck you! We've had this we've had this debate going on recently because I said like I think that Big Boy's underrated, like criminally oh, he underrated. Definitely is. Definitely. And then I on the podcast said I would take Big Boy over Andre Three Thousand, and the goddamn internet comments are coming for me. Right, but like, yeah, I, but see, that's one of those debates where like there's no loser because like no, they're not. both no. fucking amazing. So like you that's prefer my one point. over the other. Who cares? Right. Exactly. I think Big Boy is just super underrated, and that's why Outkast was so good because you had the duality with both of those. You know, if it was just Dre by itself, it might have been too weird for some people. Yep. And I think Big Boy, the one that kept him grounded, and a lot of those like crazy songs that people don't really understand, it was pretty much Big Boy creations. You know, like when you when they did the the double album, like a song like "So Fresh and So Clean," you know, yeah, shit like that. Like he had the bops. You know, where Dre was just being like, you know, creative as fuck. You know. And like I love you get bombs over Baghdad from Dre, you know? Exactly. Well, that's the thing to me. Like, I always get mad when people are like, only bring up Andre 3000 when they bring up Outkast. It's like, dude, the amount of great shit that they released off, like, Big Boy's back, and then even, like, the solo shit and the stuff he's done with, like, Fanagram and Run the Jewels. Like, I love Big Boy. I just do. Mm-hmm. Big Boy is absolutely underrated. I, I absolutely Yeah, he's just super underrated. To this day, any speaker system I ever test it's speaker box, the first song I put on every fucking time. But like with with Andre, it's crazy that like he started off as a rapper, then he picked up a guitar, yeah, started singing, then he gets into fashion. Like it's just a crazy legacy that he fucking built. Do you know he played Jimi Hendrix in a movie? I actually, yeah. I or, or it's coming back to me now. I feel like I knew that. Hey, dude, he was in Four Brothers. What an actor! Actually, he's actually a pretty good actor. Remember that movie? That was a good movie. He was in Semi Pro. He was Coffee Black. Yeah, dude. See, he's a good actor. Right. Maybe I'm talking myself into the other side, but it's funny to me, like looking back on it, because uh, Andrew Barber from Fake Shore Drive is like a good friend of the podcast. Yeah, that's the homie. And I remember you guys did a thing for like the 10 year anniversary of Triple X, which is like for me, like that fucked me up. And I still remember where I was <laughs> when I found it. I because I was on, I was my freshman year of college, and Pitchfork put out like this is a perfect album. And I was like, oh, fuck Pitchfork. Like, that was my opinion back then. I was like, these guys are all nerds, whatever. And I listened to it, and I'm like, wait, Pitchfork likes this? I was like, were you shocked when Pitchfork liked Triple X? No. I mean, now I'm more shocked that this shit Pitchfork be liking now. Yeah. <laughs> I think now they're trying to get out the, um, we're not music nerds, guys, and shit, you know? But the music nerds, we need our thing. I, I consider myself to be a music nerd. I guess... It, it gets to the point where people look at music nerds like elitist and they have like this whole nose in the air kind of thing. So now it's like, 
shit, they fucking rated the fucking my booty hole brown album over Kendrick. It's like, what the fuck is going on now? <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I mean, Triple X was just a fucking moment. And like, you listen to that. That's a dark album. It's a funny album, but it's like fucking perfect. Like, yeah. where were you, where were you at when Triple X came out? I recorded it in Detroit, but the day it came out, I was actually in New York. I was actually doing a lot of press and stuff for it. So, I mean, it was it was cool. It was a cool moment in my life. I would definitely say because I it was it was I used to get like super like paranoid and just stressed out every time I would put out an album and just be scared that would people like this shit, you know, not sleeping for days. And that's where a lot of my fucking drugs and shit stemmed from, just being so fucking nervous about putting out music and shit. But you know, it, it, just to get that fucking relief, you know, it was like a weight off my shoulder that everybody liked it and shit. So, yeah, and it, it fucking catapulted you to where you are today. But then, like, you do atrocity exhibition and you do, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's, I like the fact that you still maintain a level of like, you cater to the underground in a way, which I don't know that underground hip hop still fucking exists. Like, does it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, well, because who, it's, it's obviously a blatant line of what's mainstream and what's not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I definitely feel like, I mean, now the kids have a whole different take on what's underground. They look at Playboy Cardi like he's underground. Or something. Yeah, and he's you know like, one of the, he has like 60 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I, they just call it, it's, it's a sound for them more so than the actual status thing. Do you fuck with things like Playboy Cardi? Like, are you Hell yeah, I love Cardi. I fucking love Cardi, dude. It is funny because there, there's an element of comedy to Cardi too that, like, I think is unintentional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's, he's. I mean, he's he's just coming from a whole rock element that I really vibe with. So I like that shit. I like kids, you know, raging and jumping around and having a good time. Where it's not like super lyric lyrically based in some sense, more of a vibe. But at the end of the day, it's almost like you know, like being like I couldn't make that shit. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I look at I I I really take influence or just get inspired by music that I couldn't come up with. You know, when I hear certain shit, it's like I can do that. That's whatever. You know what I'm saying? But when I hear some shit, that's like I don't know how the fuck they doing this shit. You know, so I get impressed by that kind of shit. And I still think. That Speaking that, of, uh, sorry, go ahead, Ken. I still think that uh, going back to the underground hip hop scene, like the underground hip hop scene in like the the mid '90s, late '90s, with like Grouch, Eli, Atmosphere. Fucking like all those dudes, they're still putting out records, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, there's still some beautiful, incredible underground. I even like Brockhampton. Like maybe they got big, but like I still think they're kind of underground. There's still some cool, you know, what I'd classify as underground hip hop going on. Yeah, and, and my whole thing was that um, what I realized for myself is that my favorite artist was the underground guys that wasn't on the fucking radio and all that kind of shit. So when I look back. At just where I'm at in my career is almost like I'm proud of myself in that sense because all the shit that I was inspired by and influenced by, like I'm on that level of that. I'm like one of those guys now. So I never wanted to be like, you know, I never thought I could be like a Jay-Z or some shit like that. I was more so into like Def Jux instead of Def Jam, you know? So as far as me, like making, accomplishing what I wanted to do goal-wise and hip hop, I really feel like I exceeded my expectations. You know, speaking of Jay-Z, this is a random tangent, but, and I, if I'm wrong about this, I'm going to feel like a fucking asshole, but I played that Jay-Z festival made in America in 2016. And I, I think you played it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I played it. Right. So like, I remember you went on like 10 minutes before our set ended and I was so excited to watch you perform that I went with my ears and my pack straight from stage over to your stage and watched. Uh, Dope. 
fucking kill it, man. It was so good. <laughs> it is just funny. To, to, go ahead, Johnny. Uh, just to go back to what you were saying about what kind of inspires you is, is stuff that you that you don't do or you can't do necessarily. Has has anything out here in Austin started to get your brain thinking about new elements to bring into your music, like out of the honky tonks or anything? No, I, I would say I got a lot more into hearing country shit. <laughs> just yeah. shit. You know, coming back, I mean, when I was drinking, drunk in an Uber and just hearing some crazy ass song about him beating his wife and shit. Be like, oh, <laughs> I get the vibe of this, you know? You're like, that's it's, fucking bars, know? dude. That's bars. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for the most point, man, Austin is such a musical place. You can just go to some bar and just see some random band and they're fucking killing it. And you're like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. you know? Are you still, are you still hmm. fucking around with any rock shit? Like, are you into like turnstile or getting into like hardcore shit at all? Yeah, I love turnstile, but um, the one the band that I really got into lately is the Bobby Lees. No, don't that. This sounds like it's right up Kenny's alley. What is it like, like punk shit? Yeah, definitely. They remind me of like hearing like those old skate vids from like the early nineties or some shit like that. But then I mean, they kind of remind me of the Stripes a little bit. Which they oh, okay. probably wouldn't like me saying that, but I, I, that's the vibe. That's the influence I get. I mean, I hear, but the songwriter, she's fucking amazing. Like her, the songs that she come up with is just so good. But it's one of those bands where I feel like everybody is top tier. Like the bass, she's amazing. The drummer's crazy. The lead guitarist is crazy. So yeah, they're my favorite band right now. I, it's one of those type of shit. When I heard the album, I'm like, why isn't people talking about this more? Like, do you know, and I Googled them and I searched around. I'm like, fuck, Pitchfork never mentioned them once. Like, what the fuck? You guys are slacking. You know what's crazy? But yeah, the Bobby Lees, man, they have a, I think the, the album is called Bellevue. Yeah. It's great. I'll have to check that out. You know what's crazy about that band Turnstile that I just learned yesterday? This That last record that got them all the fame and shit was their fifth full-length record. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Here, so they're not some brand new thing. Like, they put in time and they put in work and good for them. Yeah, it's crazy though that how like the the OG like the real hardcore kids really just hate on them so crazy because they went oh, mainstream. Yeah. It's like fuck, you get a Doritos commercial, you can't be <laughs> you can't be hardcore no more. But no, Turnstile is dope as fuck. It's so stupid because their shit is so it's so. I'm a hardcore kid. I come from hardcore. I fucking love hardcore and metal and punk rock and like they're just younger. They're fashionable. And they open for Blink. So people are like, oh, this is bullshit or whatever it is. But you're like, dude, watch those fucking videos. You've never seen circle pits like that in the last 10 years, man. Yeah, and they got a, and they got a black guy in the band. That's what that it black is. Guy, <laughs> he's fucking rips. Yeah, he's yeah, fucking no. gnarly. He's playing the Jackson. He's just out here fucking killing it, dude. So good. But it, it is funny. Like, I asked that question about underground hip-hop and shit. And, like, I'm in this weird spot right now where I love I love rap. Like, I'm a, I'm a nerd. But, like, it feels like rap's almost hitting this, like, 04 rock phase where we're like Creed and Nickelback and shit came out. And then it's mm -hmm. like, it's gotten to the point where everything it's the number one genre in the world right now. Like let's not act like it's not to where it's like, even the underground shit is popular now. So it's hard to find shit. That's like alternative to that because even the alternative shit people are listening to, like, I want to find something. I don't find things anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think just the main problem now is that um, a lot of the rules that, like, I grew up with and we had in the beginning, I wouldn't say the beginning because I'm still, like, a 90s kid and shit, but, like, the whole shit was about originality. And now that's, like, going out the window and shit. It's all about do what works kind of thing, you know? And then it's now it's to the point where, like, the kids, they're so caught up in what sales. Like, mm. did you sell 100000 this week? Oh, you, you flop, you know, kind of shit. <laughs> so How many TikToks? So it's just, 
it's 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 entering in a bad phase to where you got the kids not respecting the OGs and shit too. And once shit started to get like that, it's like Lord of the Flies kind of shit. Like you know, you got kids that only listen to kids. They only yeah, it is weird. Those. Like they talk shit on Drake. Like Drake is yeah the biggest fucking artist in the last like twenty years, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, nah, Drake fell off. Drake fell off. I'm like, dude, you realize he's still selling out stadiums and putting out good music, like. I'm not saying I'm like the world's biggest Drake fan, but like the the kids are wild, dude. The it's, kids are vicious. It's a wild, but it's, I think it just happened so much of like the the OGs, you know, that whole old old man yelling at the sky kind of shit. Like they was hating on him for so long. Now it's got to the point where they like fuck y'all. You know, you can't be <laughs> mad at them for that because I mean nah, I experienced that when I first came out. You know, with like a lot of the older rappers that I listened to, they were like, "What the fuck is this shit? He's wearing skinny jeans and you know." And that whole I shit, feel like but, it's a natural thing. It has to happen. Like every yeah. generation has to reject certain aspects of the past. And it's it's like it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just like it has no. to happen. The same, like, you know, things have to die for other things to grow. I was dude, I was having a conversation with my wife last night about how like Metallica, right? They were on they had a song on strength. <laughs> right. So like all the younger kids are like, who is Metallica? And same with like Nirvana, right? From that Batman movie and stuff. And it pissed me off, and I don't know why. And Sarah's like, why? You should be stoked that these young kids are finding these old bands. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like they don't deserve it, but I know that I'm wrong. It's one of the mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you're a fucking old man yelling at people in your yawn- lawn, Kenny. Wait, man. Get off my fucking yard, bitch. <laughs> I think that's a lot of the, the, the big problem of it is that, you know, that they, they're not really going back and studying shit. You know? Mm. It was like for me when I first started, like I I would just literally Google like top fifty albums ever made, yeah, and go fucking listen to all them shits and just figure out what works for me, what I can get influenced by, what you know, and I and that way I learned a lot of about music in that sense too. No matter what genre it was, you know. Well, there's like a whole section of TikTok now where it's like kids like the whole idea of the TikTok is like listen to these songs from 10 years ago. Let me know if you know what this is. And like, they don't know songs from fucking Pitbull or like Lil mm-hmm. Wayne and shit like that. And it's like cool to not know things. Like when I was a kid, like I never wanted to be able to be in a conversation with an adult where I couldn't like rattle off shit about Bob Seger or things like that. Yeah. Like I wanted to know everything. Yeah, and but now think about if you're a kid nowadays and there's 120,000 songs coming out every day, it's like, it's not, I get what you're saying. Some of it's just like trying to be cool by saying you don't know anything about anything, but then it's also like kids and people are just bombarded by music, yeah. by content all day long. So it's like, what, you know, like you were giving us shit the other day. We didn't know that, that song, the, the, the wagon wheel, know. these motherfuckers act like they never heard wagon wheel before. By the way, I got yelled at from some other people. What is wagon wheel? You don't know uh, what yes. wagon wheel is either. Fuck you, Carl. <laughs> huh? It's that song. The the uh, so rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock me. You never heard this song either. By? Uh, old Crow Medicine show, but the big version was by uh, Darius Rucker, who was Hootie from Hootie and the oh, Blowfish. Fuck no, I don't know. <laughs> so Darius God Rucker damn it! Fuck you, Colin. Clip this shit. That's the end. Yeah. All right. <laughs> fuck you, dude. Uh, nah. God damn it! Oh no, no Hootie. See, now you got to go on your podcast and just see, like, just play it and see how many people are like. I mean, I'm pretty I'm, sure people know about that shit, but yeah, it's not, <laughs> that was not my vibe. Dude, I put it up on, like, YouTube and the short got, like, 30,000 views or whatever. And so many comments were like, why do you think people know what this is? Fuck you. And I was like, because it's fucking, it's got 400 million views. People yeah. know this song. 
Are you Hootie? Do you guys remember in sorry, remember in Jerry Maguire when that kid goes up to Cuba Gooding Jr.? He's like, Are you <laughs> <laughs> just blatant racism in movies in the 90s, dude? Um, but yeah, Danny, you're going out on tour, right? Yeah, me and um Peggy, JPEG Mafia, we're going out um in a few weeks, actually. Are you dropping a solo project soon or are you gonna keep rocking with scaring the host for right now? Yeah, I have I've had a solo I've I've recorded an album during during the pandemic. So, and, um, so yeah, it should be coming out this year. I'm hopefully fingers crossed. I mean, I've been doing, I mean, recently I went and, you know, I don't know how much I, I can really talk about it, but, um, but yeah, it should be coming out this year. Oh yeah. Good shit. We need more of it, dude. Um, how has the influx of fans from the podcast world affected like the people that came at you from the music side of things? Is it, uh, you seen a massive difference in the fans or is everyone kind of finding a, a common ground? It's kind of weird, man, because uh, I get a lot of people that don't even know I do fucking music. What? <laughs> yes, that, that happens a lot, especially out here. Like, I can be at, like, you know, somewhere at the fucking H-E-B or something. Everybody be like, Danny Brown joking, you know, but they don't know shit about my music. And But it's a weird thing, too, with, with even the viewers that I got, because I feel like most of the people that watch my shows aren't really from the YMA universe. It's really people that are from my music shit. So I don't know. It's pretty weird, though. That's fucking crazy. You know, that's what, that's even crazier to me. And not that you need the fucking compliment, but like you, Danny Brown has always been one of those rappers where like anytime your name gets mentioned, no matter who you're talking to, everybody's like, oh, fuck yeah. Fucking, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a mm-hmm. respect for Danny Brown. So it's crazy to me that po- the podcast fans would be like, oh, music? Oh, huh. yeah. They don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a lot of, you know, like a lot of people were um, listeners of the podcast, their first introduction to me was scaring the hoes. Really? Like, you know, yeah, it was kind of cool. It's like they don't know about the Mr. Motherfucking Esquire like last nah. Huzzah video. Like that's nah. crazy. Like that that video still to this day fucks me up. It's one of my favorite things you've ever done. Oh, thanks, man. But now nah, ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Do I look like Tom Segura? Yes, I can see how people say that. <laughs> yeah, because well, we've I've, we had a hit song some years ago, and I swear to God, there's hundreds and hundreds of comments to say because I play accordion. You can probably see it somewhere there. <laughs> say I didn't know Tom Segura played the accordion. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of comments like that. So I'm hoping one day I bump into him in uh, Austin and like you know like a doppelganger sees themselves it just explodes or something oh shit yeah but i can see how people say that definitely hopefully if you bump into him he gives you his money like he can have your accordions but he gives you the money (laughs) that's a fucking deal right there before you get out of here i have one question like i love you for the wild bars like is there ever a bar that you wanted to put out that was just too wild where you're like i gotta get rid of that like that can't that can't even be Uh, in there i think there's a lot of shit i mean and that's not necessarily um I wouldn't think like, oh, that's going too far. It's just um, like as as more and more I get into writing songs, I just edit myself a lot more. Because I used to be like a lightning in a bottle kind of thing where I'd be like, try to, you know, see how fast I can do it and shit like that when I was younger. But after I worked with Q-Tip, he just taught me that, you know, you got all the time in the world to create this music. Why not put all the extra love and attention you can before you put it out? So, you know, the past, I mean, well, definitely this album, I would write stuff and, you know, I just constantly going back over it, writing it. Do I want to say this? Can I say something else different? And this and that. And sometimes you might be overthinking it. But for the most part, yeah, man. I And maybe something just, I don't use something just because something else works better. 
So it's not necessarily me just trying to use the first thing that comes to my brain. It's just trying to like go deep into the darkness of my mind and see if I can come up with something better, you know? I'm just picturing you in the booth with Q-tip behind the board and then you let something loose like stank pussy smelling like Cool Ranch Doritos and he's like, yeah, we should try that again. Nah, <laughs> yeah. You know, with Tip, he wanted me to be a lot more, like a lot of people don't know, like um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, he was like one of my first mentors. So Trap, my dad was a huge Trap Car Quest fan, so I almost feel like I'm a, I'm a son of the native tongues in some sense. So, you know, for me to work with Q-Tip is one of the biggest moments of my life. It, the fucked up part is that I was just really deep into my addiction and, and shit at the time. So I really have a lot of regrets about, you know, but we worked, we got what we can get. We worked for three years, you know, and then I was going through getting my whole tea fixed and shit. So it was a lot of times where I couldn't record and it just was really hard making, you know what I'm saying? But um, I learned so much and it's going to be something that I'm take with me for the rest of my songwriting career. I got, I got one last question for you. And maybe the answer is Q-tip, but um, I always want to put the producers on blast too. Like who are some of the best, like your favorite producers that you work with the beat makers? Who's got the heaviest shit? Like, Oh, I'll, right now. JPEG mafia. Yeah. Sure. I agree with that. I think he's, man, I think he's amazing. Like the shit he comes up with, man. And then I've never met and like, I, like I, I, I make beats too, you know, mm-hmm. but Working with him, it makes me be like, fuck this beat making shit, man. Like, he makes me, he, I lose all fucking self-esteem and, 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 and fucking confidence when I hear his shit, man. Like, just he pulls from everything, man. So I was really fucking honored to work with him. And like, like I said, I was really fucked up at the time we was working. I was drunk all the fucking time. And he just had the most patience in the world. So, you know, I can't wait to get back in. And, you know, hopefully we'll be doing a lot of work on tour. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's great. Man. God damn. Well, fucking Danny Brown, thank you so much, man. Seats always open whenever you want to come back on. Hell yeah, man. Talk some thank shit. you for having me, man. Thank you for being here, man. Everybody go stream Scaring the Hose. Go see him on tour. Danny Brown, you're a fucking legend, man. Thank you for being All here. Right. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. All right. So that was Danny Brown. Great interview. Go check out Scaring the Hose, his new album with JPEG Mafia. Go see him on tour. Go listen to the Danny Brown show. Great guy. Great interview. Uh, real quick, Dave, before we get on the list off list, you have Windy City Smokeout this weekend. You excited? We sure do. We got a lot of stuff lined up for Barcelona backstage. Uh, just got on with the good people at Let Us Entertain You. Um, Ed Warm, one of my absolute favorite people on earth in Chicago. Um, he's the the brains behind the operation of the Windy City Smokeout. Um, it's my and everybody knows I'm not a big country music fan. I it has grown on me exponentially over the last couple of years, but it's not my first choice of music. That said, the Windy City Smokeout is the best weekend of summer in Chicago. Um, it's what I mean, it's country music, booze, and barbecue food. What's better than that? Those three real, things. Real quick, you weren't here for this. Do you saw the clip of Johnny and Kenny not knowing Wagon Wheel, right? I thought they were fucking around. I so did I. Same. So did I. Like, I, I, I was I, watching the clip. I was like, oh, this is smart. They're doing the mean girl thing where you right? throw that's out the I'm most saying. ridiculous thing you've ever heard. But that's what people are going to think about Cole this week with the Beatles. They're gonna, do you know how many people commented on that? And it was like, these guys are trying too hard. And I was like, I think they're fucking serious. Dude, I couldn't I'm going to like, you ask me 30 years from now on my deathbed. I swear to you, I'm not fucking trying to be cool. I'm not making it up. I don't, I just didn't know that song. Every oh, venue I think we've played has a sign backstage that says no wagon no wheel. No wagon wheel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we play it anyway. That's part of our set. <laughs> is wagon I mean, wheel one of those songs where it's just like 
like the the country kind of rock genre of just like don't fucking play it don't yes. work like yeah for, forbidden for, for like yeah that's forbidden yes. rest. i just think that's fucking incredible it's- we mash it up with Wonderwall as a as kind of a joke on the, <laughs> I like, like that. those two yeah, songs being that's very funny. similar in that way. Yeah, I mean Wonderwall is definitely a forbidden riff too. Like if you're a guy at a party, you know what I mean. Yeah. You start playing Wonderwall. It's like, anyway, okay. here's Anyways. Wonderwall. Yeah, yeah. Cole, what's your what's your generation's like forbidden riff? Like things you shouldn't play. Uh, it, it depends. It's really all genre specific. Like the my mo- most recent experience is like college parties, so like DJing college parties, and the songs that always get people going can also be considered the forbidden riffs. Yeah. Mr. Brightside, Mo Bamba. I was just going to say Mo Bamba. Um, levels sometimes depending on the crowd. Oh yeah. I was uh, going to say that's gotta be one of them in that, in the EDM scene. Like, yep. Yeah, it's, it's always, I mean, there's a video that we have of the, the Peloton uh, host and she's just like, uh, play levels, play, play like, levels. That, was, yeah, 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 that yeah. was such a thing in, in the, the millennials, uh, generation but like yeah it's it's probably mr brightside is always a hit um slut me out right now for some reason by nle choppa really that's that's former like, guest of the podcast yeah that's like sweeping every every club every but like i i was out this past saturday and it just started playing and then just a flood of girls came running and i'm like Ugh. i still can't believe that we got nle choppa on this podcast like it was about me and they're like hey can he come on i'm like Yes. He they texted me and was like, yo, check the email. Who's NLE Choppa? And I was yeah. like, wait, what? And I took I took my opportunity with NLE Choppa to literally talk about semen retention. Semen retention. That was what I talked to him about. I, I have that clip on my desktop and I, I it's like looking right at me. And I just refuse to delete it because it's so funny when I look over it just says I wonder retention. if he's still retaining. <laughs> Every, you see him now when he's just like <laughs> he's ready to you just see in the fifth dimension yeah he's got a third eye grown out of his forehead um all right let's go in on list off list uh johnny why don't you start who's on your list on the list i don't know dude can i start with you, off my list go ahead i wish dante was here for this because i know he's working on his restaurant stuff now i went to a restaurant the other day here in austin and you know they put the QR codes to scan the menu, mm-hmm. which whatever I'm like a big fan of it, but it, you know it, Hate it. it fucking works. You don't have to like keep reprinting menus. This restaurant had two QR codes: one for the food menu, one for the drink menu. It's too much. So you're gonna be That's fucking ridiculous. changing browser tabs and shit just to see what you want to eat and drink. That it's like it's ridiculous. That's just fucked up, and you should name that restaurant by name. And we no, but the food was really that. fucking good, and it was a good, and it was like. Everything other than that was great about the restaurant. So Johnny's like, I was at Red Robin. They pissed me off. <laughs> That's where uh, I heard Wagon Wheel. Yeah. You were, um, would you play at Red Robin? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Holy Out of the shit. clouds. Last go speak of the devil and he shall appear. That's fucking crazy. Whoa. Whoa. What's up? Two seconds ago, Johnny just said, I wish Dante was here so I could complain about this restaurant thing. And then you just fucking showed up. Uh, I know you're talking. Shit. I know you're talking shit about me. No, it was. No, out no, of no. Love. I was just saying. I love. I, 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 it's I, a fair gripe. I was just Hold at this restaurant. Here, I'm gonna, I'll tell. This. I'll tell Dante again, and we can see his opinion on this. I'm interested. Yeah, that's. I mean, th- that's a big. No- I'm just give me a fucking regular menu. Don't make me scan shit. Don't make me take an extra step here. Well, why that. are people? Why are people still doing this? By the way, the QR codes. Yes, the worst. That's what we're talking the about. Absolute worst. It's cheap. It's cheap. Right, yeah, I, 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 I went to a restaurant. They had two QR codes, one for the food menu, one for the 
drink menu. That's like obscene. That's, Dude, I, uh, that's like I mentally went, deranged. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, I won't say their name, but I went to a pizzeria bar, very popular here Uno. in the West Loop on the weekend. No. And I have a friend who is taking a stand. Dave, you know Morgan. We sat down at the bar. We've been to this place a zillion times. And the bartender slides over a giant one-page QR code. And she was like, <laughs> here are our menus. And my friend Morgan said, I was really hungry and really thirsty, but I refuse to uh, give my business to anybody that's still doing these things. So I'll just your have a kind of Your friend's kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, really. The biggest the asshole on planet Earth. <laughs> He is such an Dave asshole. Dave knows like him. <laughs> yeah, he he's he exudes asshole. He's just dude. I don't know why you guys are shitting on him. I don't know who this is, but he sounds like a civil rights leader to me. If you stand <laughs> for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That man drew a, drew a line in the sand, so he he's he's holding his ground. I'm liking yep. it. Oh, the lady was like, yep. "All right, have a good night." Like, yeah, seriously, get the fuck out of here. Then next, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I didn't realize Robbie was on here. Did you guys already talk about Noel? Or can yes, we, we did. That? Yeah. Fuck, man. All right. But without, <laughs> without repeating everything you said, speaking of assholes, your tweet last night, I was dying. Oh, laughing. so I didn't I didn't say that. This is oh, so wait, funny. <laughs> last night during the show. So he plays like four or five of his new songs, and then he'll play like an ending six Oasis songs in a row. He goes like two two Oasis songs and he goes, does anyone know the song Stand By Me, which he hasn't played all tour? The crowd goes crazy. Central Park erupts so loud you might have heard it in Philly. He goes, does anyone remember the B-side? And the band just goes into going nowhere. Oh, <laughs> like Everyone's just like, what? He's got one song that he, the intro sounds a lot like Supersonic, just that normal drum beat, like the yeah, very it's generic. It's a pocket, yeah, yeah. So he intros it by going, this next song is not supersonic. And they just go right into it. Like he had so many great little lines on stage. Someone said, play talk tonight. And he goes, I'm not playing talk tonight, tonight. Maybe I'll play talk tonight, tomorrow. I'm not playing talk tonight, tonight. Is anybody, does anybody watch uh, what we do in the shadows? Oh yeah. He's kind of like uh, Colin Robinson, the energy vampire. Like he, he gets off on like pissing people off on stage. Like, yeah. you know, he, like, turned after he, like, shocked everybody and, like, pissed everybody off. And he was like, fuck, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. That's why he's not he's getting Oasis back Such a cock. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. It takes so much pleasure from pissing people off. It's like, I there's a term for that. I, I It's the opposite of misogynist. But, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an asshole. Royal, royal asshole. It's, I mean, he's Dave's favorite word. Dave, what's your favorite word? Cunt. That's my like, favorite word. I was going to say cocksucker. That's Dave's favorite word. I love that well, word. So I, I, I need Johnny and his, and his people to help me popularize that word in the States. Listen, man, <clears throat> I'm doing my part. I, if I had a dollar for every time I said that word during a day, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd be fucking <laughs> on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I said it around my dad once and just like accidentally and he like freaked the fuck out like he apparently with the the older people the geezers that like the beatles they hate that word like it's it's like satan and my mom my mom smacked the shit out of me when i was a kid for saying for saying cunt and i've never been able to use it again. when you're a kid okay when boy, you're a when kid you're a yeah kid. I mean, how old yeah. are you I'm, I'm saying like fifth or sixth grade i didn't know what the word was and yeah. somebody said it in school and my mom 
That's too young to be throwing around and, a hard C, Colin. In, in my house, in my, my college house, <laughs> like when we see each other in the morning, it's always like, morning, cunt. Yeah. Or afternoon, cunt. Jews like has a little Australian <laughs> accent. All right. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, who's off your list? We'll go off first. So off my list are the people that are a bit too greedy with the uh, celebrity autograph game. And I had mm. not experienced this, despite the stalkerish tale I told earlier on the podcast. I have never done this before, where you stand outside and try to get autographs and whatnot. Dude, the worst is the is the adults that'll bring their little kids with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or who try to get the kids to hey, can you? Oh, that's yeah, that's but they're but they're the worst that. of the worst. The worst, but of this the worst. this one guy, man, he had a sweet the Noel Gallagher Union Jack Epiphone classic. Sweet gets it signed by Noel, and then there was a nice, like neatly formed line for people to get something signed. Walks right back and gets right back in line with the guitar, and his friend kind of gives him a look like what did, did it not sign? What, what's going on? He's like, nah, I want to see if he could write the lyrics to live forever on it. Oh, Jesus, and, dude. Fuck and off. it's like, dude, it's very nice that the artist is even coming out to the fans and saying, I'm going to sign something for everybody and I'm short on time. So, you know, I got to say, out having been on the other end of this, like it's there's a look in uh, certain people's eyes where it's the difference between you being annoyed with having to sign something for someone and whether you feel like grateful that you're happy, like, yeah. Oh, this person supports me. And like, you can tell even before they ask for it. Cause sometimes I've had people where they ask for like way too much shit to get signed, but you can tell they're just like a genuine fan and you're totally happy to. And then you get, we've had those entitled people that just come up and like throw shit in your face, barely look at you. It's like, like it's some kind of business transaction in a weird way. I don't know. Like you can just tell who's a piece of shit and who's just like a genuine fan excited to meet someone, you know? I yeah. haven't gotten anything signed since I was a kid. And I think the only two autographs I've ever gotten were Mike Piazza. And I waited mm -hmm. outside of a Phillies game for that. Uh, and Scott Rowland, who was a total jerk off. Scott Rowland was an asshole. He, um, and he ruined it for you. You never went for another autograph again. I'm thinking as an adult, would there be anybody who I would... <laughs> Like, if I met them, then I would be like, I want you to, like, once again, I said spring scene earlier. If I met Bruce, I'd want an autograph just because that's Bruce. Like, but having a Bruce vinyl signed, I think, would be cool. Yeah. Fucking sweet. I have, I have a rule. So, I have a ton of shit autographed from a ton of, like, amazing people. But I ask for everything personalized. Right. Like, to me, with a little message or something. If they don't want to do a little message, whatever. But... I think just getting somebody to sign something just without like to you is very weird because it's literally like here, here, yeah, here, whatever. Here. It's like, a throwaway thing. There, yeah, there's nothing to it. You could pocket on eBay. You could buy it on eBay. It could have came. That's the here. eBay thing. I've yeah. seen like wrestlers always deal with the airport people, and wrestlers yes. are starting to say, "I'm only personalizing autographs." I so yeah. I was with Portnoy. Uh, this was the Super Bowl 2021 in uh, Detroit. It was Ed, me, Whitney was there. There was a bunch of people there. And I didn't know this until I saw it happen in person, but Portnoy's got autograph hawkers after him. It'll be people that buy like mini Patriots helmets and like Michigan shirts and shit. And I was with him when this happened. He signed a helmet and, and if, like I'll sit around like to this day and sign baseball. And, like, like uh, if I find a baseball and I have a pen in my hand, right? Autograph it, you know. It's mm -hmm. hard to sign those things with like 
and make it look like your actual signature on pen and paper. And so Portnoy, I guess his autograph on the Patriots helmet was like, it was a shitty one because it's slippery. You're moving around. So it's not a flat surface. And the guy tweeted him saying, what the fuck is this asshole? Like why you couldn't sign my thing. And Portnoy <laughs> quote to you was like, I'm done. I'm done signing autographs for everybody after this. You guys are just selling my name. <coughs> Those things are going for like two grand a pop. Jesus. Oh my autograph? God. Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. That's but like crazy. I couldn't like he had like grown adults like waiting outside hotel rooms and shit. And he was in Portnoy is great with fans like that. He'll take a picture. If the line's a thousand people long, he's taking a thousand pictures, you know? Yeah. And like they were just like shoving shit in his face. I'm like, what? I wouldn't sign shit for these assholes. I so would love to see a line of White Sox Dave autograph seekers. <laughs> I think I've really signed about 10 in my life. Jesus. Ugh. Yeah, fuck autograph seekers. Not you, Robbie. That's different. Um, I kind of was one of it. And the whole day I was dealing with that in my head. But I was like, I'm Dante, doing something that I'm someone Dante, that I don't, that, I personally but don't like. That's but the I was like, exception eh. to your rule. You're not an autograph. You just had to do it this one time and break your own rules. You know, that's well, the, the rumors are that like this might be Noel Gallagher's final U.S. tour. So I was like, yeah. this might be like the only opportunity I have to see this guy that's written. 10 of my favorite songs have 15 of my favorite songs ever, whatever the number is in person. I was like, ah, it'd be a cool story to tell my kids one day. Oh, I met that dude. Guy. It's a, the whole thing's a weird thing. The more you think about it, like fandom and all that, like we've got, I've seen in person, like a handful of people with our logo tattooed on them. And I'm that like genuinely split down the middle about it because like, it's fucking cool. It means like our music's impact to people. And the other part of me is like, are you out of your fucking mind? like like i genuinely split like totally split about it like i can't have a single-sided opinion about it because it's weird as fuck and cool as fuck tap my fucking face on you if it's real dude you know what i mean like don't don't do <laughs> yeah. my, you know what's, we, see, see that's something i would never do like i have lived forever on my chest you have the beatles be on like, your arm i'd never be like i have like i want to show you my tattoo and it means this much like i just i was just like I wish Kenny was here for this because this Kenny, is cool. Thank this you. would be some shit that Kenny would freak oh, out. He, about. He, oh yeah, he would, he yeah. Would. He he wouldn't he wouldn't like me doing this. He'd be I'll, like, I'll tell you another thing that's weird is people that want you to sign like body parts when you're like just come off stage and they're really 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 sweaty because it was a hot show and the sharpie doesn't work on a sweaty fucking skin. I told I told you about the one festival we played and the girl came up to me and asked me to sign her tits while I was holding my wife's hand. Oh, and I was like, and I was like, no. I was like, sorry. I was, I was like, I'll sign your arm. You were yeah. like, I'll sign the left if my wife could sign the right. <laughs> <laughs> I parlayed this into a threesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, my no, not even that. Just, just like a, just a, a platonic thing. No, nah, I was I was thinking threesome. Um, okay. My list is people <laughs> hating on the orb thing in Vegas. People are people are online legit, legitimately like this is going to cause so many accidents in traffic. And, Shut up, nerd! It's a cool big circle with fucking screens on it. Shut up, <laughs> enjoy it. It's cool. Not everything. I literally saw tweet, people tweeting like, "Imagine how many traffic accidents there's going to be from people staring at this." Shame on you, Las Vegas. It's like shut the fuck up. It's cool. Yeah, because there's nothing else in Vegas that's going to catch your eye while you're yeah, driving. Well, are you, yeah, exactly. Are you that fucking <laughs> dumb that you can't look at something shiny in the distance and you won't fucking swerve off the road and smash into something? You're telling me well, if your favorite artist is playing there, you wouldn't want to go in a heartbeat? Like, come I on. I would be the, that, dude, I, that looks Dante, so, so don't you know fun. the guys? Dante, don't you know the guys who run the orb thing? Yeah, it's Tao. 
It's Tao yeah. and uh, MSG, Madison Square. The Tao restaurant people? Yeah. Huh. Collab. Them and MSG did that whole thing together. Damn, I'm trying to go out and see something at the Orb. Like, what is the inside? Like, does it look Colin, like... aren't going out and seeing anybody in a couple of weeks. You're the I've written... I've written, over. <laughs> I've written 15 blogs about it, which Colin apparently hasn't read any, but it's starting <laughs> off. U2 is opening it. I they're doing that. that. They're doing that action baby fucking tour that is supposed to be visually like mind blowing inside. They've been preparing this for, for two years now. So it's, it's going to be legit. And then coinciding with that. So this thing's going to be open like Vegas only Vegas 365 days a year multiple shows a day and night and there I don't know have you ever been to like IMAX when there's not a movie and seen no. like yeah it's cool they they do yes yeah, so you've seen like the astrology mm-hmm. shit. oh yeah they have like mm-hmm. sp- they have like space like trips through space <laughs> they have like planet earth type shit they're gonna be doing this but they curated and put together all their own shit they have this studio in la or in hollywood that they started and they they built this world-class camera which captures all this content and instead of piecing it together like imax does it's like something with the lens they said it was like a billion dollar camera or whatever um it's proprietary so they're putting together all this content just for these shows they're having all these world-renowned composers soundtrack them. It's going to be crazy, crazy visual experience. And every seat they're claiming is going to have unbelievable viewing angles. There's not going to be a bad seat in the house. Um, every seat is going to be unbelievable sound. They're they're claiming this thing is going to be like change the world. We do have and to get out there and fucking see this event. thing. Dude, I've been hitting them up. Like, I've hit up all my friends that are like partners at Tao. Like, yo, here's another blog I did. Can I please get a fucking sneak peek of this place? But we'll I think they're, I think they're keeping it under lock and key until U2 blows a hole through that thing when they open. I think it's October second. <clears throat> it mm. opens. Well, I fuck. I like the orb. I think people should. I do too, man. It. It's I think fucking it awesome. Sick. Yeah, I'm also it looks an idiot. Fake. It looks it so does look fake. good that it looks a lot of these pictures that are popping up, they look photoshopped. I didn't like the eyeball thing when that they put the eyeball on it. Didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. That was some like like Alfred Hitchcock type <laughs> that shit. That was some like, Monsters Inc. type shit. Or, um, I didn't like it. It looked like Mike Wazowski. Sam Raimi. That was Sam Raimi shit. Sam Raimi. Oh, the, sure. dude. You saying Mike Wazowski, there's gonna be some fun advertising opportunities <laughs> with that thing. I like, want to see a new Monsters Inc. comes out, you turn that into Mike Wazowski. Manscaped well, ad on the orb. That thing's going to be a, a giant testicle? in a year. Just a giant what testicle. The, what was the sci-fi movie? They did this thing on it. It freaked me out. It looked like it was like Mercury. The whole the whole Ooh, ball I was Mercury. That. Yeah. And yeah. then that that like portal appeared in it. And it looked so clear. What was that movie? Soundgate? Cloudgate? Stargate? Stargate. That's what it yeah, looked yeah, like. Yeah. It, looked like a, it looked like a Stargate appearing in the middle of the thing. Bro, so, what, I wish, 
what I wouldn't give to be like just a random like loser in Vegas who just got fucked up on a bachelor party and didn't know that the orb was a thing and you just stumbled out on the strip and then all of a sudden there's a giant eyeball in the distance and just you're like, a oh. Vegas tweaker like dude, dude you, you, you shot could, something you up you could do all of those things you just said very easily yeah well, it's, uh, you know what that would be a fun video that would be a fun opportunity it's like it's like we gave Colin a bunch of meth for the first time and we set him loose on the Vegas strip. Here's his reaction. Uh, Dave, who's off your list? (laughs) You're muted, Dave. I agree. (laughs) He's still talking. His mic is off the list. Who's off your list? (laughs) Um, I want to say people that request bullshit songs on touch tunes. um, (laughs) Just hate on Dave. We should actually fucking talk about that. One. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I've been on the podcast. It was a request band too. I fully admit the Love Shack song sucked as a pick, and I and hand up on me that was a bad pick. Uh, it was just something that popped into my head at the time, and I'm like, oh, that's a good song. Everybody knows that song, which everybody does know that song. You're you guys are acting like I'm fucking requesting Bach or Beethoven or something. (laughs) I thought you're just drunkenly screaming out Freebird. Just Should in the have. back corner. No, the other one was uh, Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Fucking Great banger. Great Everybody loves that song from all generations. And the third one was uh, Redbone, Come and Get Your Love, which Great is song. it's an inside joke between the rest of us in the room. So, Great song. Great it song. It is a great song. Start into the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just like to clarify, I wasn't actually talking about you. I, I had my own experience with a, a, the touch tunes, like the, the yeah, jukebox that's, thing. That's Dave's like uh, passion in life is touch Speaking tunes. Which, touch tunes has reached out to me because I'm the number one touch tunes fan on earth. And they want to put a jukebox in the new office in September. And but that's what Dave, I heard. That was like the thing. I heard about I that. would too if I heard Dave was spending all his money on the product. <laughs> right. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna geolocate my phone to right next to there, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna Dave Dave at the, on the touch tunes. <laughs> well, not thirty. Preloaded some, and everything we wanted. It would have been free touch tunes. There's some like ridiculous fucking songs, and that's what I was talking about. I'm talking about like Bohemian Rhapsody covered by the Muppets. I'm talking about Crazy Frog, <laughs> the entire discography of fucking Crazy Frog and um, Veggie Tales. Fuck yes. yeah, Veggie Tales, dude. So I was at a bar and then like Veggie Tale starts playing and then the Canadian National Anthem starts playing and like now I'm getting all these devious <laughs> ideas. I'm like, I could be like, I could find a bar that I really don't like or a place that I've gotten kicked out of, which I've never gotten kicked out of anywhere for the record. Um, but just like <clears throat> fucking spend $20 and bombard their, their touch tunes with like the Irish National Anthem and like $20 uh, worth of Dragula by Rob Zombie. Like in a row, nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I get that. I've never, I've never been one to bombard the touch tunes, but I know I've been yeah, at a bar with Dave where he's done the touch tunes. He loves touch tunes, dude. Touch if, tunes. if you got a good, good touch tunes guy, then it's, then it's good. But that's, exactly. that's my opinion. Like, I won't touch a touch tunes on a Friday or Saturday on a Sunday when it's like low key, everybody's in sweats. Then I'll hammer the touch tunes and I'll play like old school shit that people fucking love. That's fucking pressure though. Like on a Friday night to be in control of the touch tunes. That's pressure. Pull it up. My phone's about to die, but uh, music, touch tunes. Dante, here, who here are my touch tunes picks? Oh, here we go. go. Listen, previously played. Yeah, go to previously played. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't even have touch tunes. Yeah, I didn't know. It's it was always an app. I Family you go right Tree by Wheeler Walker it. Jr. 
great fucking song. I want Wheeler Walker on this podcast so bad. He could make that happen, I'm sure. Pretty easy. I know. I, I, I talk, he has the same manager as Luke Dick. When I was trying to get Wheeler Walker, they gave me Luke Dick, which was a great interview. Wheeler Walker is the GOAT. I want Wheeler Walker. Dante, who's off your list? Um, oh, so many people <laughs> involved in building a place. Let's go with the uh, city of Chicago to, to be the um, <laughs> just holding up absolutely fucking everything, including sign approval. Um, sign approval, like the sign yeah. on the street. Yeah, we had to we had to shrink our sign by four square feet, which if you know how square footage is me- uh, measured. It was absolutely ridiculous. Something we've been waiting on since February. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, it's just a nightmare. Don't ever so, open a restaurant, kids. It's a bad idea. No, it's it's the worst idea ever. <laughs> and you just continue <laughs> to do it week after week. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't learn my lesson. I don't have anything for on the list. I have nothing to really I guess the impending birth of my child, which is also keeping me from Chicago, but that's you know, Hotel like, bars. Yeah, I guess that's I'll throw on the my kid list. on there. That's a fair trade, bro. That's a fair trade. It's a good one. Shouts out to my brother and his beautiful new son. Uh, there's a lot of babies floating around the Budney family right now, which is pretty fucking sick. Dave doesn't care about my kid. Dave doesn't care at all. No, I don't. I know. No, he don't care about babies. He's not a baby guy. Nah. There's about no. to be a small version. Dude, one time we're going to have the podcast and we're, you're going to sign on Zoom and it's just going to be my son, like just a baby version of me sitting here. Like, oh. and Dave will hang up. He's like, let me know when you could talk about baseball. Yeah, it won't be long. That's something relevant to talk about, kid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> call me when you can hold your own head up. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Cole, thank you for coming here and taking ridicule. Robbie, thank you for coming here and telling us about your stalker story. Dave, yep. thanks for showing up. Dante, good Cole, luck at love, the restaurant. Cole, I love you, bro. I love you too, Cole. I you're a real you one, guys. man. Cole, you're all right. Thanks, guys. Uh, you Johnny, me off yet. Thank give you. him time. Uh, Johnny, I love you as well. Fuck Kenny because he's not here. Um, next week, I don't know who the guest is going to be. We have yellow card coming up. Uh, there's apparently a couple interviews going down at the Windy City Smokeout this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Um, guys, anything else for me this week? Fuck off. All right, fuck you, Dave. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>